Welcome to the Healthy Indoors After Hours Show. This is our inaugural program. Uh, really excited to have you joining us. Um, so we've got people from around the world here. So time-wise, uh, you may be watching us tomorrow morning or this evening. Uh, we're coming to you uh, from our studios here in Syracuse, New York, uh, Eastern Standard Time. It's 7 p.m.-ish. Um, my co-host, uh, the uh, always, always uh, uh, interesting and uh, provocative, <laughs> Healthy building you're science. Struggling, you're struggling already, Bob. You're, you're struggling already. Yeah. All right. Pass. Joe Medosh. Let's start all over. Do it all over. Just all right, all right. do the Joe, video again. Joe, okay. Joe Medosh. Um, so anyway, th thanks for joining us. This is a, this is a whole new format for us. This is the premiere episode. Um, so not, not without some interesting uh, technical twists here. But this is a little bit different than some other shows you may have watched to the extent that we're going for the what you would find at the end of the day at a, an industry conference, uh, walking into the lounge at your hotel with other industry professionals. So you're not you're not not going to be a standard interview show. So we're we're real excited for this format. Um, you know, to that end, uh, I did bring my cocktail. You know, and I, so Joe, okay. you said you had to do something on your intro. Cheers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cheers. So, you know, there's a lot of great shows out there that we think are doing well, and uh, they don't talk about indoor air quality. And, uh, you know, there's BS plus beer and there's Passive House and all kinds of stuff. And to be blunt, you guys are causing all the indoor air quality stuff. You guys do a great job of the building, but, you know, ventilation is usually an afterthought or making homes super tight or doing all kinds of other stuff. And then somebody may mention IAQ and then a bunch of people respond, what's that? And so we wanted to make sure that you knew that we are with you all the time and we wanted to find a way to bring this community uh, together in some other way. So we think that there's a way and a, a great dialogue, some interactions that need to happen for those who are uh, indoor air quality savvy or want to be or want to learn more or find out what's going on because this is clearly one of the most complicated uh, areas because it does have to do with building, building materials, uh, the assembly, um, uh, how well it's, you know, um, gathered and what type of principles are behind it. You know, Passive House is a phenomenal solution right now. And heck, they got their own little wars. You would think that it was World War III between the two groups out there. But in general, we are building better homes. And indoor air quality is still kind of on the fringe. Like, yeah, we're kind of doing those things, but they are super durable, super tight. Ventilation is still an add-on, but um, that's why we want to bring all this to uh, together. And it isn't just residential. It's also commercial and a variety of uh, multifamily that people are discussing every day. So we want to make that something that, that brings everybody together. So come here on Tuesday, go there on Wednesday, go somewhere else on Thursday, and you'll get a full gamut of really what's going on in the industry. Okay. Well, I mean, I, 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 I think that's, that qualifies it for, uh, you know, for what we're trying to achieve here. Um, obviously we're more than just uh, us centric though. Um, in fact, we're a global pr uh, production, uh, as is our uh, magazine. Uh, and to that end with us today, our, in our debut uh, episode, um, we have two guests joining us live from Singapore, China. Um, we, uh, Louis Chang is the founder and president of pure living. It's an Asia based IEQ engineering and solutions provider. And also we have Rafer Wallace, who's the founder of uh, reset and uh, a host of other things, which we'll, we'll get into, uh, when we bring them on camera here. Uh, but we're really, uh, and later in the show, uh, we'll be joined by Sean McCumber. Uh, he's an IAQ expert uh, slash construction guy. Uh, he's been around in the industry. I've known him for about a decade now. He's been in the industry for 15 years. And most recently, he's the construction and facilities manager for the Insurance Institute uh, for Building and Home Safety, the IBHS. So we'll be talking a little bit about construction practices uh, later on in the show. 
So I guess without further ado, it would be a great time to actually bring in our guests from overseas. So uh, with us this evening are Louis Chang. Uh, he's originally from the U.S. Louis founded Pure Living back in uh, 2010 to meet the demand for clean indoor air and water in China. He has over 20 years scientific consulting experience as a chemical warfare engineer for the U.S. Army. Uh, he trained with the U.S. CDC, and uh, he uh, has uh, was also the strategic uh, director for uh, Thompson Reuters Scientific Division in Asia. So welcome, Louis. How are you? I'm good. Thanks, Bob. For, thanks for having me. A little early in the morning there, obviously. So we, we, we have a diff and, different uh, perspective. Joe and I have cocktails here because it's the end of the day for you. It's the beginning of the morning, so. Well, yeah, there, there is a thing called Bloody Mary, so and that, those, that's a breakfast drink, so there are options. So Yeah, it's still a yeah. work day, though, you know. Um, <laughs> and and last but not least uh, is Rafer Wallace. Uh, Rafer Wallace is an architect and founder of the GIGA, and we'll ask you a little bit later to elaborate on that. It's an independent third party uh, combining the development of building standards with cloud technology to increase the accessibility and impact of healthy buildings globally. Um, He's uh, been working at the intersection of healthy buildings and cloud technology, uh, pioneered standards for data quality, which are used internationally and serve as foundations for both reset and origin, uh, which is uh, GIGA's two primary areas of focus. And we're gonna be talking a little bit more about reset because that's an international performance standard and certification program for healthy green buildings, uh, which is based on data that's collected and is assessed on a daily basis. So this is really, really interesting stuff. Uh, so, so wait, wait. Well, so the next next time I see you at, at a real conference, Bob, and I come over and find you at the bar, I'm expecting you to be like, "Oh, here's Joe Medosh. He's been a scientist." Or da -da -da. So you're, that, that's yeah. There you go. You're okay. you're really going to start with me already. Um, yes, I, I will do that. I will introduce that. Uh, introduce. That's how you, you know, introduce all your friends. Like, hey, everybody, here, let me read this off. So yes, uh, but I I I want to start with a question because. Uh, we hear about some of the uh, really awful indoor air quality that's in India and Asia. You know, we see these reports. They're not that common out here, but you see them. And most of us be like, you know what? I need to just stop and go over there and start a company. That's really what I probably should do because uh, we, we do okay here. But based upon the amount of buildings and people and, uh, and conditions that are so much worse, we're like, oh, I should go do that. But you both did it. So um, who wants to go first is to tell us what made you like, you know what, I, I want to go there and start something really from, the, from almost from the ground up. <laughs> I see wheels spinning here. It is, it's your, it's your early point, uh, gentlemen, it is, it is morning here. Uh, it's, it's coffee versus, uh, versus drinks and the wheels <laughs> are spinning up. Um, maybe, maybe I'll, I'll start to give, uh, to give Louis a chance. Um, I, I personally did not, Sort of wake up one morning and say I'm heading out to Asia to start an air quality company or anything related to uh, to that. It was uh, my training as an architect, and I headed out here in order to to design uh, and just get a lot of uh, get a lot of project experience under the belt. But uh, it right at the beginning uh, stumbled across all these air quality uh, issues. Um, and to be honest, the uh, the PM uh, particle issue was was secondary. It was unknown. Back then, uh, the short version of a very long story was actually doing project after project and failing them for uh, VOC testing. So really having a hard time controlling chemical off-gassing, getting into monitoring in 2005, real-time monitoring to look for cause and effect on why are we failing. All uh, I was interested 16 years ago was uh, uh, VOC sensors 
which as we know are, are notorious. Um, but the monitors we'd brought in at the time had PM10 uh, sensors in them, which I had no idea what it was, I'll be very honest. Uh, and it was off, it was, the, the readings weren't even there. The readings were, I thought the sensor was broken. And uh, about uh, a week or so into taking the first set of readings, the readings started to appear and I realized, oh, this sensor is not broken, it's working perfectly fine, it's just off the chart. Pollution so high, the sensor can't even read it. Uh, got, got things recalibrated and uh, then to tenfold, uh, PM10 started to appear um, on the graph and that's obviously where the alarm bells went off. Like, what, what is this? What is this that's kicking things uh, off the chart? So, what, what kind of numbers are you hitting? Are you, I mean, you're saying that you're hitting really super high numbers. I mean, what type of magnitude? Um, I mean, translated into PM two point five today, it's uh, it was around. It was always hovering between minimum one fifty to three fifty. That's pretty high. So, stumbled into the air quality field uh, fifteen, sixteen years ago. Uh, did not come running into it. Wow. So, Louis, I guess you, you, we've given you a chance to actually uh, consider your answer there. What, what got what got you there, and you know why? Well, I mean, similar to Rafer, I I didn't come uh, to Asia looking for this. Um, I, I came similar to to Rafer. I was an overseas uh, expatriate, and uh, but I had a little different background. I've, I've been with the military and I've been a nuclear, biological and chemical uh, officer uh, with, with Army before. So we had kind of had some experience in, in, in measuring and protecting and defending, uh, filtering uh, against these uh, pollution that, that would, but the difference was that that would, you know, what, what would kill us uh, right away here was sort of a, a gradual, just part of everyday life. So maybe about 12 years ago, um, there was a gap in, in the market. Whereas in, in you know, North America and the U.S., you can open the, the, the phone book and find and, and go to IAQ, go to Mold. There was nobody like that in, uh, in China. So you had your, your test labs and you could go there and they would just say, okay, I'm going to test the, the government uh, uh, air quality test. Doesn't matter what you're, what you're smelling, what you're feeling. Um, that's all I'm going to test for you unless you tell me something else. And then you would get your one page of just numbers. So it's like taking a, a blood test. Uh, so so I, I said there's, there's probably something in here to, to fill the gap on trying to be kind of a, a, somebody who can be a consultant. And that's, that's how we started with, uh, with homes. And then very quickly, those same homes said, hey, I actually am the CFO for IBM. Can you uh, can you help me at my office? So we moved into offices and, uh, and schools pretty quickly, and that's like Rafer says that's that was back when there was very little awareness. Um, but but China's China's always had a, a very high outdoor, a challenging outdoor uh, PM uh, issue. So at the same time, a lot of buildings. That's where Rafer comes in is a really high rate of every couple of years, people's offices are they're growing, they're moving into a new office. So you've got challenges from the outdoors. You can't open your windows. Uh, challenges from indoors, you've got a lot of VOCs. Uh, what do you do? And that's kind of um, the, the unique, I think, uh, China challenge. And now as China's outdoors getting better, uh, we're seeing 
new sort of challenges with sustainability energy. So it's really interesting right now, you're seeing the intersection of sustainability and how do we be energy efficient with keeping, uh, keeping health uh, at the forefront. I mean, one of the things that I see um, that differs vastly from North America, one of our prescribed, uh, you know, classic prescribed measures is, you know, ventilate more, get more outside air, get more fresh air. Um, But that doesn't work so well when you have outdoor environments where the outdoor contaminant levels are pretty high, right? High particulate level. You can't just bring in more air unless you treat it. So that's a challenge. Um, has, Has that always been the case? Yeah, it was a huge conundrum for the first few years. I can't. I don't know how many how many discussions Lou and I had uh, about this over uh, starting, I guess, ten years ago, trying to figure out how to how to create that balance, get the original, get the initial numbers. Because to your point, they're they're opposing metrics. Um, but it led to some some really interesting discoveries, I guess, for last uh, lack of a better word, in terms of. Uh, ultimate to to achieve uh, to achieve the types of filtration that we needed, we needed to we needed to move away from this idea of central filtration and get into zonal filtration to to be able to bring in outdoor air uh, filter um, to the extent we needed locally. We we really need to rethink how ventilation and filtration was done. Um, over the span of, of several years and, and figure it out. Same, same challenge that people have found with, uh, with COVID uh, just uh, several, several years uh, earlier and less in a sort of panic, uh, uh, panic mode. But uh, now um, the, the shifts, it's the, we've, we've learned that the high performance spaces are really, have, have taken all the lessons from this, are uh, decentralized uh, filtration, um, sort of adaptive uh, ventilation, and uh, um, so on. So it's, it's definitely a journey to get there. It, elaborate a little bit about the adaptive ventilation. Um, I'm, I'm curious, uh, you know, how, how is that something different than the, the approach that you know would be typically done? Well, it's just multi-parameter. I mean. Uh, Back then, uh, it's, uh, there's a few people who have DCVs, right? Demand control ventilation, right? But in most cases, as we know, they're off. Um, at least that was the case with uh, with COVID. So in the few buildings that uh, there was DCV, again, in most cases, they were off um, for for obvious reasons. Uh, just um, uh, they're all running on CO2, uh, single metric, and uh, and PM was was the 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 problem happening on the other side of things. So how do you start uh, guiding a system towards multi-metric? So feeding it both uh, CO2 and, uh, and uh, uh, PM data. Um, and then, of course, realizing, well, we, we need to decouple filtration from ventilation. And these two things have to be completely separate so we can deal with them uh, separately mm-hmm. and uh, move to... Um, uh, hyper hyperzonal, and eventually strike a balance. So uh, Louis is the world expert at this at figuring out, okay, where do we need mixed mode uh, zonal, where we're bringing in um, uh, ventilation, very zonal and uh, recirculated versus where do we just need to strip out the excess loads. Um, and again, all of this is, to your point, was all solid particle related. And just over the past year and a half uh, or year, that's really just converted to liquid particle. Uh, related, but um, uh, just developing, just developing a much more uh, intelligent or 
what's more, a refined approach mm-hmm. to how how we deal with air indoors. And that was really just a byproduct of actually measuring this stuff. You know, it's was, it was really, really clear that uh, virtually nobody had been measuring long term. Um, and once you do, you realize, to be honest, how buildings don't work. Buildings just, they don't work. They're not designed for humans on a long time basis when you actually measure the data. And this this was a this was like getting hit by a truck. Yeah, I mean that's that's a really you know that, that's a scary revelation, isn't it? That yeah, was it was terrifying. I mean, so that, no, it, for, we, it, we knew it. You just finally pointed it out. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you're actually you're, you're actually you know exposing the elephant in the room here. Uh, but that's well, it was it was uh, as I said, I'm 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 originally I come from a pure and applied science background, and then mm-hmm. uh, architecture. And I often joke that my, my life was hijacked by chemicals, dust, and uh, other other things. Because um, as, as an architect, when you're trying to design buildings and you're realizing the mechanical systems don't even work, uh, I've got bigger issues to address here. Um, it's, uh, it's a bit of a drag. Uh, so um, let's talk a little bit more about the global concept in that is that you know, you guys have some of the same stuff we do. You've got mold uh, in and outside of walls. You know, I know you have uh, other exposures between either asbestos or lead um, and, and just an adoption of all things we just went through with COVID. Can you kind of describe what's the difference between maybe the U.S. mentality or market compared to what you guys are into uh, regularly now? Like a lot of buildings are still reluctant to address ventilation issues. It's all like, well, we were fine before. We're all going to go back to our normals uh, issues. So between just mechanicals, there's also other stuff that are heavily regulated in some areas. Do you guys have those uh, challenges with the the governments or local municipalities or local challenges? So I'll, I'll, I'll jump in on this one. Um, uh, just in terms of mindset towards uh, uh, at least, let's say, building owners. Um, I think over the years, so uh, PM 2.5 and outdoor air pollution kind of really exploded uh, into uh, awareness, I would say around 20, 2014 or so. So there, there's been seven years, including COVID, of awareness about um, of, of pollution of some type. And if we look at what, what Rafer was just saying is um, uh, the, the best thing about continuous monitoring really is that it makes you aware. If you go into work, you get in the, uh, you're at the lobby checking in and you see a, a big screen that shows the, the air quality the outside and inside. And then you go into the elevator and in the elevator, it says what the CO2 and what the PM levels are. You're like, well, what is that? You know, you're a little bit more aware of it. And then it drives everything. It drives the, the feedback loop of what do you do? Do you actually change the filters like you're supposed to? So I think that the willingness and the awareness and the market actually forcing you to have some kind of air quality. Like if you're a school, schools are our largest segment. You cannot open a new school and not have a air quality system and be able to talk about it. And you have to have some monitoring. So whereas maybe five years ago, six years ago, you might be able to get away with just saying, hey, I've got an air quality system and it's a few portables. You can't get away with that now because there's also an expectation. Okay, parents will say, where's your monitoring system? Who certified your 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 error? Mm. Uh, and then you, you just have a higher level of, of bottoms up. And that's what I think was interesting about China is it wasn't from the government saying you need to have 
better air. Your your air needs to be a certain air, IAQ level. Your PM cannot exceed a certain amount. There actually is no indoor uh, PM level right now for for China. There's nothing that's it's not a standard. Hmm. There's uh, there's lead. There's well. There's resets that that uh, Rafer represents. But the, all of that has been ground uh, driven by employees, by uh, guests, by uh, tenants. Um, so it starts with, with individuals. I don't know if we'll see that in, uh, in North America and, and uh, places outside of China. Wait, wait, point. We're, we're we, not even close to being there yet. <laughs> no, but we do where there's wildfires. So that's the only exception we have okay. is when you have wildfires, okay. people are like, yeah. hey, you know what? The, this is a problem. I can't go to work and I can't live in my house. So they want to know what can I do? But you're right. It's Bob in general. Right. But, you know, we're, we're sadly lacking here in this country. And, and my, my fear is that as soon as any threat of a pandemic dissipates a little bit, we'll go right back to business as usual. And, and I think that would be tragic, <laughs> to say the least. But but the other side of what, you know, we're talking about with, with monitoring, that is something that is coming to fruition with builders, uh, residential, more much more commercial are, are including these concepts. So it, it, we may just drip the opposite way. It may be like, well, I have this at work. I can see what's going on in my office or, you know, where I, you know, spend the other half of my time. Um, and they then decide they need to add this to their home. But most people think their home is fine. But um, there are more and more people who want to know. More and more builders want to get in line with this as to what's going on. We're just now really kind of installing ventilation systems you know an exhaust fan is not a ventilation system it's an exhaust fan so um i i, I do talk regularly with more builders who want to know how can i monitor what's happening in their house and just you know refer i actually talk about uh, reset as a as the standard because it's the only thing we have right now because it is something that says your monitor is uh, it's certified, and then you have some guidance as to what you're getting the readings are. So without those two things, you're just saying, I, I got this I got this thing, and it tells me some stuff. I don't really know how accurate it is or what I should do with the numbers that they think I should do with that. So I think you will have some competition soon because people realize that we're just making stuff up. Trend indicators is what I kind of call them. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, for the for the hey, some of the viewers probably who are not familiar. Some of the viewers are probably not familiar with Reset too, Rafer. So give us give us a, a at least a an overview on you know what what that whole standard means and and how it's being applied. So there's two sides. You guys are a uh, competitor for Well, and then you also sure. verify the devices. Why don't you talk about what what it is you do comparable to Well, the the Well building standard? Yeah. Sure. Um, just going to can Back you hear this? Okay? Yeah, we yes. got you now. Yeah. All right. There's a bit of a bit of a across the ocean glitch there, uh, I guess. Um, but uh, yes, at a at a sort of just to be a bit of a nerd for a moment. You know, when when we got into air quality monitoring in um, 2005, um, this is uh, familiar territory for, for both of you. you know, there, we were finding uh, monitors that were selling for 50 US dollars and others that were selling for 50,000 US dollars that had the same specification. So on paper, it's the same device. 
Uh, and uh, as specifier, this made absolutely no sense, of course. Um, so we started lining them up, uh, working a lot with Louis on this as well, and just comparing and figuring out uh, what's the difference. And we found that before we could even have a conversation about is this space healthy, um, that's also a loaded comment, uh, we first needed to figure out, well, is this data any good? Uh, what's the data quality, or is this garbage? Are we fooling ourselves? Um, and for the most part, it, it was garbage. So I think one of the core fundamental differences between resets and lead and well is that at, at the root of it, resets a data standard. It's a standard for data quality. Uh, and we apply that to different types of sensors, different types of parameters, and have a layered approach where it's, it's the, what's the level of quality of accuracy of the, the monitor? Uh, how's the data being processed in the software? Uh, what's the density of monitors? So we can actually compare uh, buildings to, to, to buildings, um, apples to apples. So at the core, really focus on data quality first, and then let's have a conversation about um, a healthy buildings. So we're definitely the only ones in the world to have taken that approach. Um, and I think it's a, it's a very nerd one, but it's a critical one as, as buildings uh, go into digitization. Nobody has questions or conversations about what is the fundamental data quality uh, mm -hmm. like? So without that, it's, um, it's, it's all moot. Um, and then uh, uh, beyond that, it's really focusing on the, uh, the, the metrics that come out of that. So we've developed an expertise over the years to match, to look at, for example, um, scientific research and pull out the uh, lab research and pull out the, the variables that affect human health, virus survivability, things like this one by one, see if we can isolate them uh, and then match them, map them to sensor data and look at the correlation. So if I have a, if I have a lab result and I move that into the sensor world, is it a one-to-one -one, uh, conversation? Um, so you know, we, don't, we don't really see Reset as, a, as competition to, to lead in well. Lead and Well are very good systems. They're very horizontal. They cover uh, they cover everything. Um, Reset is vertical. It's very focused on on very discrete subjects, and we go deep. Uh, so probably the best projects are are when they get T shaped. Joe, you had a comment earlier about Passive House. I'm I'm a I'm a we do um, we do a, a lot of projects in the U S uh, that are Passive House. I, I say we. I don't mean we. I mean the Reset APs. Um, there's, and uh, some of the best projects are a combination of Passive House and, and Reset. That's a really good example of a good T-shape intersection where Passive House does an amazing job on energy and everything, and then Reset just gets plugged, plugged in to handle yeah. the air quality piece. That's a good way to describe it. Passive is a phenomenal um, way to build. A lot of times they are a little complacent on ventilation. Um, because they're so tight and they're trying not right. to cause issues internally, even though the kitchen hood really needs to go outside. Um, that's not yeah. really an option. And uh, but if they were to monitor it, they would see that the things that people are cooking show up in the bedroom, no matter how far away that bedroom is. And when they right. see that, like you talk yeah. about, if you monitor, you now the invisible suddenly shows up and you're like, wow, why do I have high particulates where I'm sleeping? It's because somebody cooked dinner, you know, an hour ago. The, if, they, if they saw that, 
they would then be adamant that we must have some kind of ventilation in the kitchen. So when you are when you when you can cross those, you can see those. But um, I will say that lead and well or well does require you to come back and recertify multiple times. Uh, to my knowledge, lead is not uh, out of that. So once you're done with lead, you're done with lead. Um, so if you're not monitoring like you're doing or have some reason to check the building three to five years later, it's only going to struggle in the future when you really wanted it to do well. Yeah, Joe, but one one of the things that I like, I, I come across uh, talking with IAQ consultants. I mean, if, last year was the first year that I didn't get to come and, and do a seminar at IAQA on, on, on monitoring. Uh, but a lot of times when, when I would give those seminars, I'd be talking with somebody who's been doing IAQ for, for longer than I have, you know, 20 years. And... Uh, and they would say, I, I don't understand. Why can I just not use the lab and I'll use my, you know, trusty um, TSI, uh, you know, multi-track and, mm-hmm. and get my CO2 readings. Isn't that fine? Um, one, I would say, number one, you're taking a spot in time. And if you look at one single graph of, what CO2 or PM looks like over the course of a day, it's, it's doing this. So what is the value of you picking? Are you picking at the peak? Did you happen to measure at the peak? Did you take at the bottom? We very much see, I, I know with schools, I'll always see your PM peaks at uh, about 8 a.m. and about 3 p.m., which is when kids are getting in and out. All the envelope op- opens. And then CO2 levels, we tend to see in an office, all kind of peak in your later hours. You're kind of 3 to 4 p.m. But during the rest of the day, it's all over the place. And it looks very different for every single space. So I think the value is really in in being able to give up. Uh, I, I find a lot of the monitors discussions also around... Well, my sensor is plus or, f- or minus 3%. Your sensor is plus or minus 5%. So my sensor is better than yours, or I can't accept the plus or minus 5%. The reality is the value of, of monitoring is looking at that, mm-hmm. um, that trend over time and being able to relate it to what's going on. Uh, like Joe said, is somebody cooking? What's happening at 2 p.m. every Tuesday and Wednesday mm-hmm. is that when the cleaners are coming? Is that when right. you know we can we can look at the numbers and we can see um, my my building management is actually I, I will sometimes tell a tenant your building manager is, is cheating you because I can see they're turning off the fresh air. They tell you they're turning it off at at 7 p.m. but you can see they're right. turning it off at six. Uh, there's a lot more that we can see due to this uh, uh, trend that that's not a single point in time, that's the mm-hmm. biggest difference I see between well lead, so where where these are, are doing very, very accurate speciation of VOCs, um, they're missing the, the bigger They're snapshots. Picture. They're just doing a snapshot. Um, right. At yeah. the time, you are perfect, but maybe not even three or four years later or three times a year, I think, Joe, mm-hmm. you mentioned, even tomorrow, is that error going to be the same? Right. So the value of, of having that, um, even if you don't have a perfect, perfect um, uh, you know, hardware, I think it's just important mm-hmm. to look at. 
I mean, that's what Louis. That's one of the problems with the IAQ industry in general. Most most of what you know, the, the field assessment work that's, that's been done traditionally, right, is mostly snapshot, single point snapshot. You know, and and all these you know rampant conclusions are drawn from these small data sets. Uh, you know, like look look at microbial sampling, mold sampling. Come on, you pull a couple of spore traps in a building, and you're making characterizations. What's in there? Right. That's ridiculous. You know, th that's a characterization of what's two cubic feet in front of the sampling device. That's all that is. Yeah, yeah. The end. The analogy I often give is uh, you have a security system for your building, and you're taking a picture every six months. Really? <laughs> no, I'm sorry. I'd I'd that's, rather have a slightly a lower resolution and twenty four seven. Here, I, I don't want a picture of my building. And the the counter is like, does air quality change that much? And this was a hard conversation wow. to have before COVID, right? Now people are starting to realize, yeah, air quality changes in five minutes, in three sure. minutes. Put a bunch of people in, like, people had no conception of just how dynamic uh, that air quality air quality was. Maybe maybe the the snippet that, that I'll add there is, you know, I find in 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 Asia it's been a process like anything in North America is now just and Europe is entering that process we don't even know how to have a conversation about air quality as a uh, as an industry and as the experts we're supposed to be leading that conversation so when the folks at the top don't even know how to have the conversation that's that's an issue and what i mean by that is that um you know to louis point of perfection uh we we've we've I'm going a slight tangent We've we're now in a world where we're a little bit more honest, right? It's like are we? This is my this well in the sense that this is my background, right? I'm not in the office. It's not okay, a corporate right. setting, right? That 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 was not okay before. Your dog could be barking uh, in the background. Your children right. could be running the, the through. Okay, like, all right, all right. Life happens, right? Yeah. Just yeah. Uh, yeah look at what's behind you. You got pictures from your kids. That's kind which of which is fantastic. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Joe has pictures happens. from his family. Yeah. <laughs> No comments. This is where I live. I, I'm at home too. Joe right lives now, in a bar. You know, <laughs> in a, bar. Right. Um, a, a lot of people would envy you there, Joe. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but air air quality. There's when people step into it, they they think that you need to be perfect at all times, um, and of course that doesn't happen. And so this was one of the early lessons on reset and how we look at data is that. It's okay to fail. It's okay to go out of boundaries every now and then, right? There's, uh, it's just how when you go out of boundary, how long are you out of boundary uh, for, um, and uh, and to what to what extent? So a lot of the fear around monitoring in the U.S. is what happens when my data looks bad, and uh, the question is, well, how bad is bad, and how long is it looking bad for? And so just having those more advanced conversations on example and a reset. If you hit a spike, you don't fail. Uh, you have to hit a spike and maintain that spike for a long time to then fail, right? So it's you need to be able to take corrective action. And like there's uh, just learning to understand the data and look at the data and 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 make sense of it is a whole new topic. Uh, well, the United States is so litigious, though, Rafer. You know, I mean, like you know, again, you know, talking with with, with this country, you know, da a data spike will be some reason for some personal injury attorney to start a you know start a, an action against some employer, uh, which, right or wrong, it, you know, it's crazy. People people don't understand, and and that's a big thing here. It's like I, like you you mentioned that there's been like at least somewhat of a paradigm shift, right? At least among consumers, you know, people in their workplaces and stuff, they're more conscious of indoor environments. And I think, yeah, that's true because because of the SARS-CoV, you know, two exposures. 
but has anybody, you know, in general, has the general public learned very much? Do you think? Ooh, <laughs> that's a tough one, right? Because I mean, has anybody well, we, really we, taken, we, had a lesson from this? Yeah, well, I don't know if we know yet. I mean, we're, you know, let, let's six months from now we'll see if when people are still going back to having huge parties and you know we we, we no longer don't care about how close we are and how many people are in a room that has off, awful ventilation and we now can tell because it feels stale. We'll see if people speak up about that I, I yeah, but simultaneously yeah. we have in we you know we have india experiencing you know just horrific mortality rates and, and, and infection rates right now you know so this this pandemic globally is far from over it is and and i mean the level of awareness is obviously shot up the average person now knows about uh, particles and can walk around with a CO2 monitor and try to get uh, so i mean the, the level of education has gone way way up no question about it the question is more how long does it stay around for to your point right do people forget uh and um just again lessons from the past 15 years uh, in this field is that uh, people are people um and uh, we 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 go back to to whatever um whatever's familiar and uh, whatever's easy uh and the only time so what changes is not the people is the infrastructure always right um we like to think that people advance. Well, I argue we don't really. It's the infrastructure around us that that uh, that advances. And for infrastructure to advance, a problem needs to last long enough. A pain point needs to last long enough. Uh, and I think that's more the 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 question in my mind. Has this pain point lasted long enough to cause an infrastructure change, an industry change in how we approach mechanical systems and ventilation and monitoring? And I think the answer is yes. So people will go back to just worrying about whether they're, they're you know, what's burning in the oven and uh, what beer I'm going to have tonight. Uh, of course, um, it's, uh, Human it's nature. how much, exactly, how much of the infrastructure has had time to change uh, around it. And I, I think that shift uh, has happened. Um, right, so I want to shift us completely from the concept of uh, what we're breathing to what we're drinking and um the fact that although you were a chemical warfare engineer that just just i, I probably could if we were standing at a, a regular bar after i would want to know more and more about that but can you elaborate on the fact that water quality isn't even something that's um mentioned uh, in our industry very much at all you know we are the you know the the air people but the reality is it's where we are what people are exposed to so can you talk about why are we not really focused on water yet or why is water not hit the the level of concern that it should be um i i mean i i don't think that water is not important or people don't think that water is important i think people just tend to focus on what's in front of them uh if they have water quality uh readings in front of them all the time if they had water quality popping up in the newspaper uh all the time i i would say probably uh, in the u.s for instance i'd seen enough um, headlines talking about different water quality scandals or municipalities where uh, they, you know, they register high lead, for instance. There's actually a higher, I'd say, cultural awareness of that in the U.S. than there was in China. But uh, in China, I remember a few years ago, suddenly somewhere downstream, um, uh, pig farmers, for some reason, were having sick pigs and they were dying and they were just unloading the carcasses into the river. 
And so reports 800 pig carcasses floating down the river and everybody freaked out about their, their, their water. So I think it comes back to the, the people worrying and then the numbers. And uh, we actually just, uh, just helped with a project, uh, UFC, the uh, mixed martial arts um, uh, company has a UFC in China um, and, and these flagship gyms actually decided to do res- to, to implement reset. So we helped them implement reset, but not just for air, um, which we've done lots of projects for, but they did reset water, reset energy. So all of those, they were uh, looking at their numbers. They were measuring their numbers in a right way with the right protocol at the right places, the right hardware. Um and they were doing you know, water as well. So I think people who are going in and out of that facility, certainly the facility managers are going to be more aware of their water quality, of the amount of water that's being used. So if you wanted to see more awareness, I guess it would come back to the same continuous monitoring, whether it's air, water, energy, materials, um, the numbers have to be there and then they'll slowly will percolate into people's awareness. You know, you in a previous conversation, Louis, you and I discussed how in China and Asia in general, or many parts of Asia, um, th- this pandemic w- w- really it, it evolved differently, right? And as far as the public concern, and re- and really as far as the actual impact w- w- was different. Um, you know, whereas you know New York became the epicenter kind of early in the pandemic, and uh, you know, so so we had a very uh, a high uh, high exposure and just you know politically as well as just in the news. I mean, everybody was bombarded with this in the United States and certainly in my state, uh, but a little different there, right? I mean, as, as far as the perspective, was there, there wasn't the high concern, right? Was there in China? I think the concern was there. Um, the way that was, and this, this is not the right venue, I think, to, to get into how, you know, the clash of the civilizations, how does a mm-hmm. democracy handle uh, COVID controls. Versus yeah, and that wasn't my intent. I, w- I wasn't viewing it that way. I was just saying, just in general, you know, there were different, I mean, the parameters were different. You dealt with different parameters. Um, a little bit. You mean in terms of the, the what, what, what people, what, what average sort of people and building managers were doing about it is, is, was, was that the question? Yeah, I think, I think so. I mean, I, th- that was my impression. Am, am I incorrect there? Yeah. You, Definitely. I mean, yeah, Louis and I spoke about this at length too, where in the early days of the pandemic in China, everybody had great plans. You know, it was, it was, we were going to kick up the entire industry another notch, just like we did in 2013, 2014, after the first apocalypse. Um, so everyone had big plans to, to continue raising the level of, of buildings, which it, that it needs to do. But because the government was so efficient, at uh, at lockdown um then uh and the virus basically disappeared overnight and uh, life uh, was back to normal um almost instantly by comparison all those plans got thrown into the garbage so it was a really good example of the problem didn't last long enough for the infrastructure to change right mm-hmm. uh so very very classic example of what i was saying earlier was it whereas in new york it's this hurts this mm-hmm. is lasting long enough for it to change. 
And I think this is where now, you know, for example, if I just use one topic that we've been working on, the, the viral risk index or the, the, the viral index, getting a sense of what's the risk of transmission or to be more, to be actually more precise, what is the level of building optimization? Um, like to be able to track that in real time, I don't see how anyone could enter a building, especially in North America in the near future without a sense of data. Like, wait a minute, what am I walking into? Because this has hurt for a very long time. It's hurt for a year and a half and I don't, I don't want that to happen again. Uh, so I think that's where the, the long-term response in, in North America is actually probably gonna kick things up a notch over, um, over Asia where there's gonna be more of a sensitivity to walk into a monitor, uh, walk into a space with a monitor and say, look, I'm just gonna take the readings myself. Uh, mm -hmm. I wanna know how, how optimized this building is. And if the building's not giving me the data, I'll get it, I'll get it myself. Uh, which is what Asia did solely on PM. In North America, people are gonna be doing it for viral transmission, for uh, immune system impact. They're just gonna be walking in with a monitor because we can give them that data. And, uh, and why would I not? You know, who, who's going to be walking into a building completely blind? Uh, I, I think that's the, that's, the, that's the kick, the extra kick in North America just because the problems lasted that much longer. I want to touch on, on data because we're, uh, you know, we're all acknowledging that data is super valuable. Uh, the, the monitoring is also the, the, you know, the missing link, which creates the data. Um, but Joseph Allen became a, you know, an overnight success. He was doing well, but once COVID hit, he was the man to talk about because he had healthy buildings in multiple other articles that are showing that if you were uh, making investments in your properties, if you were doing a great job of ventilation and keeping uh, particulates down, that you could actually track a uh, reduction in your healthcare costs or people off work or missing uh, days like that and productivity could go up. Do you guys see that there is this uh, now, now that we have the data in our buildings and, and management can start to look at uh, what's going on in human resources, that there it could be this connectivity between, you know what, now I understand when, you know, two people show up with the flu, that three weeks later, many of the people in our office building may end up with a cold or have a flu. Do you think that we're headed towards this, you, know, you can call it big data, or we're finally able to connect the dots that, you know, our buildings are able to make us sick or not keep us well when they're not well-maintained. Uh, uh, yeah. I'm just going to grab this one because, uh, Joe, I, I mentioned uh, I have a, I, I need to jump off. Oh, sure. Um, in just a second. Um, but, Joe, it's a good question about data. And, and if the question is around, is there the awareness of ROIs or the awareness of we should be have healthier buildings because it makes financial, it makes business sense, that's the theory. And I say, well, it's gotten tremendous traction here because of that. But when I go and have discussions, I don't hear somebody boil it down to that. It still comes to they're doing it maybe for a market reason. Um, they, they're building, you know, it becomes part of their marketability, becomes part of their story to get more students in if they're a school. Um, but I don't, I don't quite sort of see it actually happening as much as a conscious decision. Um, and I don't see a lot of portfolio benchmarking as much as you know, I think we would like to see them once you have the data. Um, but I think it also has a lot to do with at what level you're, you're speaking to, whether it's an FM or whether it's you know, somebody who's a, a chief sustainability officer, a wellness officer, for instance. So I'm, I'm going to leave it back to you guys.
Bob, Joe, thank you very much. Um, hey, thanks, thanks for joining. Thanks for joining us. You can stop in anytime. You know, we we do. We're going to be doing this once a month, so this is this is less frequent. So uh, in, enjoy your day. Which it's Wednesday where you are, or both of you are. Um, thanks so. for what you're doing with the industry. We, uh, I, when I read over what you're doing, I'm like, how, how have I not connected with you before? So thank you. Love to stay in touch. Thanks, guys. All right, we'll speak soon. So, so you know, there's some interesting aspects. Um, just so I think how Joe, I will answer your question. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> good because I'm like, you know, Bob's gonna dominate. Oh, again Bob's gonna start him. again. All right, yeah, all right. Okay, okay Rafer, go ahead. No, it's uh, it's, it's due to the lag, Bob. Um, if you don't mind, I'm just gonna pause just for a small moment because the uh, the line uh, seems to be lagging for a few seconds. Um, there we go. Looks like we're we're back. Uh, but um, Joe, I'm going to answer your question a little a little indirectly. Uh, North America, I'm going to pop the bubble on proxy data uh, and evidence based. Uh, right now, in in the West, for a long time, uh, when we're buying bubble gum or Coke, we use sugar free, right? And uh, and that's a bit of a marketing gimmick. Obviously, because, well, what's replacing the sugar? That's what I really want to know. I, I don't care if it's sugar-free. Um, and we do the same thing in the healthy building space where we say evidence-based. Evidence-based is another way of saying, I don't have data, so I'm borrowing somebody else's data. Uh, and we need, to, we need to pop that bubble. Um, and really, the healthy building experts in North America are way too comfortable with that sentence. It just gets buttered onto absolutely everything. Because somebody did something, in a lab somewhere, and I can extrapolate uh, from that onto my project is, we both know the real world doesn't work that way. There's so many variables going on in a building. It's evidence-based is, is, to be honest, it's, uh, we need to pop that bubble because uh, evidence-based is, is basically saying, I don't have data. I'm using somebody else's data and it might work or it might not work. So. Why not just get the data when it's so highly uh, available? And that's, that's the issue on a lot of these research pieces that I'm seeing where uh, there, there, there is this research that, to be honest, the conversation about ventilation a year ago was driving me absolutely bonkers. Um, just, Why so? Uh, because it's the wrong approach. Just uh, uh, ventilate 100% uh, full. Like, no, put in some sensors, get the data and ventilate based on, on, on what you need. You know, we're still seeing buildings that are ventilating uh, six, air, six air changes an hour, um, and there's three people in the building. You know, well, why are you doing that? Uh, we, this, this, you know, we, we, we can be smarter than that. We have, uh, we have the, the, the data. Um, but a bit of a, bit of a side uh, note there, but uh, I think to your point, Joe, there is the opportunity to, to, to break the barriers down between the data silos and start correlating HR data with, uh, with, um, with air quality and looking at sick leaves. And we've definitely seen a massive drop in seasonal flu, um, just barely hasn't existed uh, this, uh, this past year as a, as a byproduct of people wearing masks and uh, so on. So we're seeing that correlation. Productivity is a, is a much tougher one. But we're, we're not going to get there until people drop the idea of evidence-based because that's garbage uh, and start talking about, no, I want data for my project um, because it's, it's not that expensive. And right, we have I the technology now. I mean, 20 years ago, it was difficult to do this. It's not, 
there's plenty of readily available technology to monitor continuously. Exactly. Yeah, well, exactly. the thing the thing that's happening now is that uh, sensors are becoming better. Uh, they are becoming a little more affordable, and they're becoming something that I don't need to have one on the wall per floor. I could have one on in a desk area or in each at least every room. Or so many places are going to now have multiple monitors that provide you know good enough data that I can determine what's happening uh, in multiple areas on each floor uh, in the build throughout the building. So yeah, I think precisely. we're headed towards yeah towards this really. Uh, over data as a concept, but the reality is that's where you you figure stuff out. You figure out that you know so and so had a cold, or uh, certain things happened, or why is that one room always have high uh, carbon dioxide? Well, guess what? It has no makeup air. You know, so well, let's figure out what what are the mechanical issues that are causing these things. But you never would have known it if you didn't put a sensor in that room. You know, so I think we're going to get to this level of like, okay, it's it's okay to monitor lots of places, and people may buy these things and just put them on their own desk to figure out what's going on. That's the mm -hmm. next trend that we see happening from some people. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, these these are definitely interesting times, and I think uh, we absolutely have to, as an industry, you know, globally, really run with this because th this is an opportunity. I, I said this, you know, Joe and I have been doing shows for over a year, a uh, year and some months now. Um, and I said this at the onset of the pandemic. It's like w the real tragedy would be is if we don't learn anything from the, from from this horrible experience, you know, once in a hundred year, hopefully experience, which is probably going to be more frequent experience too. But the, the reality is, is like we do need to move things forward and in a per in some set of permanency to that. Does that make sense? I mean, I just I, yeah. I just would just feel really bad if we slip right back into doing things uh, as it was done. Yeah, it's, I'm going to push that even further. I think this past year has been a Galileo moment where there's a few people in the community that know uh, um, viruses are airborne and have known for 20 years. Uh, and I, I'd like to push it to an extreme and say, to be honest, this past year, um, we haven't learned anything. It's just been mass awareness of what uh, a few people have known for a long, long time. Um, and as an example, uh, for uh, you're both into particle monitoring, um, and uh, you know, for 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 the past twenty years, the conversation has been the liquid droplets floating in the air are the problem. You know, how do we dry the air coming in so we can measure the uh, solid particles, right? Um, so we've known that the liquid particles are there; they're floating, and uh, we try to reduce the noise and strip out what we're reading pre and pre and post drying to get a sense of how much liquid particles are in the air and how much are, are solid. Um, so the, the awareness of liquid particles floating around have been around since, uh, since for mm. 20 years because it's been a problem in how we get to the solid uh, particles. And now, of course, the whole, uh, the whole pieces, the whole uh, area of focus has shifted. And we know that, that viruses stay airborne for uh for hours and sure. we've known that for 10 years as yeah, once, once it's desiccated it, 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 it very fine particles they, right. they can yeah, almost there's, indefinitely suspend there's nothing new about this like we haven't yeah. learned anything it's it's just been mass awareness to what's been out there for 10 15 years in in very nerdy circles uh, sitting around the you know we, we have better uh, illustrations, though. We have, we have much better <laughs> illustrations that show what comes out of us and how That's far right. I can. Yeah, we have yeah, better yeah, illustrations. Yeah, 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 we, good, yeah little, little graphics make, you know, when you see the cough in the airplane, it seems a little bit more uh, scary. But yeah, I, I saw uh, a quote the other day, and I'm, I can't attribute it to the, uh, the person who made the quote. It was from a long time ago, but the quote was, history has taught us that we do not learn from history. 
you know it's <laughs> you know and i i think it's uh, there's some truth to that yeah no it's uh, it's uh, there definitely is. The, the galileo moment was really just okay yeah. now there's mass awareness that the planet moves around the sun not the other way around uh and it's Thank you to COVID for, for, for doing that and the nice little graphics that have come out of it. But when you look some total, um, scientifically, we haven't learned that much in the past year. The, the real wins on how we deal with this mechanically, infrastructure, and why that, those are yet to come. Yeah, I mean, that's, 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 that's the real measure of, uh, you know, how we, how we move forward and what actionable uh, improvements we make, right? I mean, it's like the, this, this is everything. So it, it's the opportunities here. Um, what you're doing with Reset, you know, what, and, you know, what that program is doing is phenomenal. I, I just, that's amazing, uh, you know, and hopefully that gets more broadly adopted and becomes really commonplace. I mean, it's, it's certainly, it's in the marketplace everywhere, but, you know, uh, we definitely need, we need more data driven information so that we can make real decisions <laughs> what a thought <laughs> what a concept it, so, it sounds so yeah. much like science you know <laughs> ul is going to get into your space soon so let's follow up i'll tell you about ul's coming up with some standards that other people can kind of get in i think you should be ahead of that curve so mm -hmm. the one thing we did not get to talk about were what you also have done is about uh picking materials that are low vocs or you know, uh, n not nasty uh, is the only way to kind of describe that. So l let's figure out another time we can talk about, you know, the, the real challenges with VOCs and trying to find materials that individually or collectively are not causing uh, people to basically get sick in their home. That's one of the main real causes of uh, uh, sick buildings. Well, we certainly only covered a, we only covered a fraction of what we wanted to cover with you and Louie Rafer. So this discussion uh, must continue at a future date. <laughs> Because it, it, it was enlightening. We greatly appreciate um, you both taking the time, you know, uh, in the next day to come back to our day, you know, back in time uh, and, and meet us here, uh, you know, in North America um, for the show. So um, we'll see, we'll see, you know, you know, we'll definitely, we'll, we'll keep tabs on what's going on. We certainly want to uh, hear more about what's going on in your world and what you're up to. Yeah. Thanks. Uh, thanks for having me. This is fun. Thanks so very much for joining Thanks us. What you're doing, right? Keep it up. So we're so um, we're gonna take we're gonna take everyone. a short we're gonna take a short break, um, just a very short break, and we'll bring in our next guest. Uh, up on deck is Sean McCumber. He's the construction and facilities manager for the Insurance Institute for Building and Home Safety, the IBHS. So uh, stay tuned. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Bob Krell, founder and publisher of Healthy Indoors Magazine and host of the Healthy Indoors Show. Healthy Indoors is the world's resource for credible, timely information on indoor environmental, building performance, and sustainability topics. We are a global multimedia company offering content and networking websites, publications, videos, podcasts, and online events. We are launching our new Healthy Indoors global community a revolutionary online networking and information platform aimed at linking the industry worldwide. Our goal for this virtual community is to provide a central hub 
where industry professionals, researchers, suppliers, and other interested parties from around the globe can connect with each other to network, share, and learn. It will offer a host of engagement features for our community participants. It will also include a variety of multimedia content from Healthy Indoors publications, online shows and events, along with offerings from other trusted content creators and organizations. During our initial launch period through May 1st, 2021, you can join the new Healthy Indoors global community free of charge as one of our inaugural participants at the pro level. Worried about junk email? Rest assured, we hate spam as much as you do. That's why when you sign up for a free subscription to either of our magazines or join our new online global community, we promise to keep your information safe. Healthy Indoors will never sell, rent, or share your data with anyone, ever. 2020 has brought the quality of our indoor environments to the forefront of public concern. Now is the time to harness this momentum, to network, share, and learn along with other industry professionals from around the globe. I would like to take this opportunity to personally invite you to join us on the new Healthy Indoors online global community. I'm looking forward to seeing you there. All right, we are back with the Healthy Indoors After Hours Show. And joining us from somewhere in North Carolina, I still can't remember the name of the city that you've moved to, buddy, uh, is Sean McCumber. He's the Construction and Facilities Manager for the IBHS. And let me make you be uncomfortable and read a little a snippet of uh, your history. So Sean's a licensed builder with 15 years of IQ consulting uh, experience specializing in water intrusion, Chinese drywall, and restoration. Sean has recently joined the Insurance Institute for Building and Home Safety as the Construction and Facilities Manager at their research center in Richburg, South Carolina. Is that correct? Yes. So I said North Carolina again, didn't I? Well, it's a, it's a suburb of, of Charlotte, North Carolina. Oh, so it's really close to the border. Really this close. is what confuses me because you mentioned, okay, so this is, this is my excuse because you mentioned that your, your job, your new position was in South Carolina and I assumed you lived in South Carolina and then you said you're looking for houses in North Carolina. Yeah. I guess I need to look at the freaking map. Okay. Uh, it's right. Charlotte, Charlotte's like, uh, it's like a DC scenario where you've got uh, Maryland on one side, Virginia on the other. Oh, I, I can I can put that together. Well, anyway, the research center centers around a large wind chamber with 105, uh, 15. No, what is that? Oh, six, six foot, foot diameter fans. Like basically, you guys can create the movie Twister in real life. Absolutely, that's yeah. freaking crazy, dude. Not only that is, uh, hey Joe, how you doing, man? <laughs> doing good. In fact, when I was moving, I found one of your little blocks of wood telling me the size of samples to send. Uh, uh, so, to send over to you some stuff, and I was just thinking about you. Okay. But, uh, <laughs> the uh, so it's actually really cool because um, part of it, we, you know, I work at the research center, and and uh, we we build large uh, full scale mock ups of uh, buildings and homes and and houses. I mean, we can build a two thousand square foot house, put it on our turntable inside of the wind chamber, and subject it to um, 120, 130 mile an hour winds. But even more interesting than that is we can control the speeds. We can make it gusts and we can control each bank of fans separately. And there are airfoils that exist in front of them. So we can create turbulence then. And then just as if that's not enough fun, we can also spray water 
mm-hmm. hail or embers uh, to to um, replicate, you know, hailstorms, wind-driven rain, um, or wildfires inside the structure um, on full-scale size uh, homes and buildings. So it's a uh, it's a one-of-a-kind facility. There's nothing else like it in the world, and I am thrilled to be uh, a part of it. It's it's really cool. Yeah, that's yeah. that sound was the sound of me knocking things over in the studio. Um, <laughs> that's it okay. It, it's a live show. Hey, you know. it's, it's just like after hours, right? <laughs> it, it kind of is. You know, well, I was in in all honesty, I was reaching for a beer. Hey, it's <laughs> fair. Yeah, anyway. yeah, he's lying. He's lying. Um, <laughs> I'm not lying. But, but, I'll demonstrate it in a second. So let, let's yeah. dig in because your time is tight. So let's talk about the resiliency just briefly because that's I'm sure that was part of why this facility was pushed to another limit that how do we prevent people's homes from just leaving their freaking foundation or roofs flying off? But well, there's other things that are so valuable, like, you know, that our, that our buildings are not water, uh, you know, uh, tight, you know, that a uh, high driven, wa- you're going to get a lot of water in the walls that you don't even know about until, that's right. yeah, that's right. And we, and there, you have no drying capacity. So we haven't even realized the the secondary benefits that this the facility probably is providing. Yeah. It's phenomenal. In fact, uh, a research um, was just presented to me. We're just uh, beginning some additional research on the wind-driven rain component, uh, and not just wind-driven rain and hurricanes, but wind-driven rain in moderate, you know, moderate wind speeds as well. Um, and that gets to what you're talking about with the IAQ component of trapped water inside of the the wall assemblies um, in undiscovered water. And of course, in a hurricane where you have a catastrophic failure you know, it's clear. Um, I got my, you know, I got involved, uh, with IAQ through hurricane Katrina. And, uh, I remember I went and took a, you know, two day course on, uh, on how to be a mold inspector. And that made you an expert. Clearly. I was an expert. I was like, so many of them, like, here's my plaque with them. I think, and every house I went into had been decimated by a, you know, class three hurricane. So I was like, I can identify the water source. I can see inside all the walls. The solution was easy. Here's your certificate. Everything's fine. And I never forget the time I got called out on a legitimate water intrusion mold problem. And Not was, catastrophic, where where they literally didn't blow everything apart in the building where you could see everything. Exactly. Right. There was some bitch to work on. And I was like, oh my God, I am in trouble. And oddly enough, that's when I sought out and became a member of, uh, of the IAQA, which would have been... Uh, maybe 15 years ago, 16 years, 15 years ago, um, around that time and met you, Bob and, um, Joe, I met later, I think. Uh, but, um, but that's, that's exactly right. I mean, in the catastrophic situation, you have, uh, the, the symptoms, the cause, the symptoms, they're all really clear, but it's mm-hmm. these, it's these in between. We know the water source when there's a hurricane, right. you know I mean? You know, the damn water source, you don't have to yeah. go look for that. Absolutely. Absolutely. So it's a whole different situation, but, um, I'd like to just touch on something which I thought was interesting from some of the earlier guests. And I wanted, I, while I was watching um, and, and listening, <clears throat> the, the, you know, COVID has brought to attention to, you know, on a global level, the, uh, the IAQ and particulate and um, all this different stuff you're talking about, the way the virus has spread from humans and within it. And I want to give a big shout out to to IBHS from the way that they handled the COVID outbreak. Um, I, I have uh, they you know as soon as it became an issue, um, they instituted some Im- Im- very impressive um, 
cleaning, monitoring, and um, uh, they through the entire time they they sent everybody home for a short period. But there's been a, a skeleton crew still at work through the entire time uh, for the last year and I don't know, I think just a couple months. But um, they instituted a cleaning procedure that was much like what you would find in a in a hospital. Um, and there was somebody full-time cleaning. They introduced uh, foot pulls and, um, you know, all kinds of uh, testing. Everybody in the on campus was tested every other week. Um, you know, all this crazy stuff from that standpoint. And we're about to uh, return to full force next Tuesday. And um, so I think that you know, you've got your companies out there, the companies that are really concerned that are, that are kind of keyed into this stuff that did phenomenal work uh, at uh, at understanding how these things spread within a, an office space, and they um, and they you know have uh, have taken that to heart, um, and I think that 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 component will continue to grow, and I'm curious to see how some other companies have handled it. Because at the same side, you know, the South Carolina governor recently um, said that, you know, masks are optional, even for kids in schools now, based on the, what the parents can want to do. So they've completely removed that stuff. And, and what's happened in New York, too, for that matter? Yeah. So if like, you're vaccinated, you, you don't public and They're like, oh, you know, like expressing how stupid they always they thought the whole thing was, you know, um, which is like mind blowing. So I just talked a long circle around to say that you've got you've got you know, at the administrative level, you've got these companies that are very concerned with it and going these extraordinary mm-hmm. extra lengths to do that. And then you've got the individuals and they're like, they're at least conscious and aware of the, it as a problem, but they don't take it seriously. Well, yeah. unfortunately it became a political issue. That's really what was the sad part about it. That if, it, if we didn't have this politics in the middle of that, it, it probably was a completely different approach from so many places, including, you know, many of the governors or whatever, but it became a political response and, you know, that it was macho to not wear a mask and do other crap. So th- th- yeah. those are just the things we'll look back on history and be like, wow, that was strange. History is not going to be kind, you know, yeah. a, but I, I want to know, can COVID get blown through my house? You, you guys test that, right? Well, wait, wait, no, no. <laughs> SARS-CoV-2. No. We, SARS-CoV-2, Joe. Yeah, well, no, any COVID. Any COVID at no, all. No, 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 no. Know. COVID is the disease. SARS-CoV-2. You know you know, COVID Come on okay. now. Throw the COVID at the wall. Come on now. <laughs> so, yeah, it could, but the speeds, I mean, even at nominal speeds, it's pretty impressive. We're doing some studies right now on slabs, on structure separation for wildfires. And um, <laughs> I just, I, I'm not even going to tell you the amount. Um, I like to joke, I spent a hundred thousand dollars on lumber to burn. And then, uh, you know, which involved a couple of two by fours, but, um, I spent a couple hundred thousand on cryptocurrency to burn yeah. watching the market crash last week up and down right now, isn't it? It's horrifying. Anyway, yeah. on track. you bought on Sunday morning. Um, the, uh, nope. no, no, <laughs> so we're doing some, some testing with that where we liked, uh, we would light a small structure, a shed on fire. And then, uh, we test for how the heat can move in different wind patterns, um, and at 15 miles an hour, a 20 by 24 shed, um, the, the flames will move 20 feet beyond the shed and the, 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 uh, heat sensors at 20 feet in the air were the equivalent of, uh, of a hot, you know, asphalt, uh, being poured. It was like, it's insane. And, um, so, so I imagine if 15 miles an hour does that to flames, then, you know, 
maybe 10 miles an hour. I might push these, uh, these SARS two co co two. <laughs> I'm taking <laughs> on you. <laughs> yeah. I just, I just feel that, you know, it, it, for me personally, you know, as a publisher and, and a professional, I have to try to, you know, have as much uh, technical accuracy as possible. Uh, that's important. It, it, it is. It makes me feel better. Wars do. Jesus, come on. It's not, it's not the day show, you know? It, okay. Yeah. God. Wow. Have a drink. Have a drink. <laughs> All right. Oh, man. I'm, I'm, I'm nothing. I got nothing. You should have oh, nothing. Whoa. Nothing. I'm, well, yeah, I'm, we should, uh, should have probably had you. An Airbnb getting ready to move into my house. Oh, uh, that's right. Because you haven't. You just, so for for those, you know, out in the audience. So you you were from us, uh, Slidell, Louisiana. Yeah. And you spent. And you spent, yeah, you spent a lot of time, you know, a lot, lot of your life there. Uh, you had a business there and you got this opportunity uh, with, with this new organization and, and you uprooted. We, that's a pretty, that's a pretty big deal, right, dude? Yeah, man. It's not uh, easy. You have, and you have a son. Yeah. He's not real happy right now with me. Mm. You know, he's, he's about to go oh. in eighth grade. Oh yeah. And he thinks that I just ruined his entire world. And uh, he's, he said, uh, what'd he say? I'm. I'm trying to make an argument for why I should stay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so okay. I, he's going to be an attorney. I don't know. Oh boy. Yeah, yeah. I did that twice. And my kids later realized that they were better off for having a different cultural experience. So I think and so. getting attorneys probably. He may be coming. Did your family. kids get attorneys now? Uh-huh. Are you? <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty excited about it. Um, uh, it's, it's weird. It's, it's weird being involved with, um, you know, a nonprofit, mm-hmm. uh, because, uh, you know, budgets account for something, but the science is more important than the dollars and mm-hmm. moving out of the commercial world into that world it, where, where, you know, it, where I was before, if it took an extra day, everybody's complaining because that's dollars and mm-hmm. cents right here. If you, you tell them that the science is going to be right. If I take another week, they're like, do it. You know, you know, I've been involved with a non-profitable entity for a long time now, uh, but that, that's, <laughs> no, lack of profit is not non-profit. It's a, a non-profitable. It's a different thing. I have a non-profitable organization. Yeah. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. So, so I want to find out this more detail. So what do we know about resiliency now based upon some of the studies you've done? Like, you know, are the things we're doing with roof trusses or tying things all the way down? Absolutely. That, yeah, okay. Absolutely. In fact, we have a program. You can check this all out at disastersafety.org. Uh, but we have a program now. It's called Fortified, and there's Fortified right. Commercial, Fortified Residential, and it's actually they've what they've done is it's it's interesting. They're driving some code modification, but their primary um, target are the insurance companies, right? Yeah, right. So they've partnered with these uh, these local state uh, insurance commissioners and said, look, if you meet these certain qualifications, this certain standard, which is the Fortified standard then the insurance commissioners has agree, have agreed to uh, uh, promote a certain discount to owner's insurance, to, you know, the hazard insurance based upon meeting those, uh, those, those characteristics, you know, those certifications. And so and this is, this is most, I, I lived in manufacturing homes multiple times throughout my life. So what do we have for, you know, I know that now they need to be tied down, but even tied down doesn't mean that thing's not going to blow apart. So have you guys also found something that's helping manufactured homes when yeah. they go through these? Yeah. Yeah. So it's a continuous, it's the continuous load path, right? So you want to have your roof attached all the way down to the, uh, to the foundation um, is number one. A uh, number two, another big thing we work on is hail. 
in fact, we just had a team down in Texas last two two weeks ago, and they uh, they three D scanned, and then subsequently they're in the process right now. It's my my office mate is three uh, D printing a replica of the largest hailstone ever found in in uh, I believe it's Texas, but it may it may expand beyond into the United States. But it's like six point something inches in diameter hailstone. Wow. Wow. And they actually went down and, and the person had found it and put it in the freezer. So we have all these meteorologists, I mean, brilliant people. And so a lot of the data that we collect, both from wildfires, you know, hurricanes and everything that we try to replicate and recreate in our lab is all um, based upon uh, data that's collected in the field. I mean, we chase the storm chasers. Mm-hmm. That's us. We've got a whole team of guys that they were driving all around Texas chasing so the a la Twister, the movie. That kind Absolutely. of thing. Really? Wow. Absolutely. Yeah. So we don't focus a whole lot on tornadoes. Um, but uh, but as far as hail, hurricane, wildfires, uh, you know, we have we have boots on the ground, uh, scientists collecting data, chasing them down, um, trying to uh, determine, you know, specifically with hail. You know, we've actually determined that there's really two different kinds of hail. There's hard hail and soft hail. And then there's even it's even made up of uh, of different layers. Right. Uh, to create this this density, um, this the uh, researchers at the facility have actually created uh, machines and that can b- replicate hail in the same exact density and mass that is found in the field. And then we we actually will then uh, shoot it. We have hail cannons and we'll shoot it at shingles. We have a shingle farm, of course, so we're able to age all these different shingles for 5, 10, 15, 20 years and then bring them in and test them both for wildfire and hail impact and put them back out there and determine, you know, are they really meeting the standards that they're they're um, saying that they are? And you, I mean, I heard you mention UL, um, you know, up until now, the test for um uh, shingles has been a, a, a lead ball that's mm. been dropped down from a certain height onto the, to impact the, uh, the shingles, which, which is not really representative of what happens. No, well, it's, it's like ball. Rafer was talking about too. Having, you know, just trying to extrapolate stuff from laboratory as opposed to more real world. I mean, you're, you're, you're in a lab, but you're simu- you're, you're really working to simulate real world conditions there as opposed to having just totally fabricated stuff. Exactly. Exactly. And it's, it's such an amazing thing. And, and, you know, I know we kind of gotten off of the subject of IAQ, and I hope uh, I hope you know. Well, no, no. Actually, your topic no. was on buildings, building smarter, learning to build smarter. Yeah. So it, cool. it's actually you're right on well, the, you're right on track. We just packed up uh, our single line hail machine and one of our hail cannons and sent it to UL. Uh, we're working on they're they're looking at adopting our methodology for uh, for the new standard for testing shingles for hail impacts. Can I take that so, to my ex wife's house just for like a weekend? Well, just you should be on the road, like, boom, boom, dude. Yeah. It's like, I will rain hell on you. You're too okay. close. Back off. So in the in the the ceiling, okay, our 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 wind tunnel. Just to give you an idea of of the size and magnitude of this place, okay, it's six stories tall. It's um, it's like 150 by 150. You know the the actual chamber, and then we have these like tunnels where the winds are like compressed and directed. And all this stuff. And in the ceiling on the catwalk, like you, it, we have 72 hail cannons that are up there. 72? And 72 of them. And they fire, they fire one inch, 
well, inch and a half and two inch um, balls of like, you know, hail, like it's ice, right? At oh, right now, we've I've just been tasked as one of my projects to work with the the prototype engineer to improve these hail cannons because right now the maximum time that we're able to fire these cannons at approximately one piece of hail per second is only two minutes, and they want to get it to five minutes. It's seventy-two cannons firing in one second. One piece one per second. I could do the math. It's 60 per, times 72. That's a lot. We got to make that much hail. That's a lot of hail. Oh, so you, pre, of so you pre-manufacture, the hail's made, and then it's fired out of this cannon. So and it's a two-step process. Right. It, the cannon doesn't make air. the hail. Okay, I, I get right. it. You, you have a hopper. Bullets, right. It's yeah, like yeah. a big paint. It's, it's a hail-type paintball gun. It's a big giant. Yeah, it's 72 up to two-inch diameter paintballs shooting down six yeah, stories. Ice, ice paintballs. Yeah. I can see so many people that are listening to this freeze, right now going, freeze your paintballs and shoot right. them at somebody. And, and you're only so firing cool. like a seven eighth of an inch one. A yeah. lot slower, probably a lot slower velocity too. Out of a, yeah, we're going to be changing uh, their ice cubes. Between 50 and, uh, um, se- I think 50 and 75, 77 uh, feet per second, I think is what it is. Yeah. Is currently what we're at. If you, if you want to check it out, um, I put a post up on my uh, Instagram um, of one of the guns we're testing and it's got um we, we test it with little wood balls that are roughly the same mass and density oh, just to, to test the launching to test yeah we'll, we'll we'll share that if, it, if that's something that your organization's cool with putting up there um yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll get that from you put it up on the site uh, yeah so for sure there it, the and we, there's a lot of stuff for you can go see on youtube just look up ibhs wind or fire or anything like that and you can see some of our our testing you see our strong building last and our Dude, when you see a full two thousand square foot house just blow off, it's cr- it's crazy. A hundred wow. we did we were doing one hundred twenty mile an hour wind test last week, and it is so loud, so loud. That's yeah. what people say when they, they survive a tornado. They're like, it felt like there was a train coming at us. So yeah. that's what. Have you ever like heard of? Tor- have you ever been near a tornado, Joe? I have. Yeah, because yeah. I have too. Actually, yeah, yeah. they they are they're scary. And I was about a half mile away from one, and that was as close as I ever want to get to one. And yeah. it wasn't like I was chasing it; it, it came at me. Came to you, huh? <laughs> it was like I was hiding in my freaking house, shaking like a, you know, whatever. Wait, wait, I want to get the fire before we run out of time. So, well, what, let what me tell you one more thing. Fire and ice. This the show has everything. You're gonna love this. So, so the facility was built ten years ago, and it's out in the middle of nowhere, right? So, like, it's it's in it's a very rural area. It's about thirty miles south of uh, Charlotte. And when they were first building the facility, of course, they had some town, some meetings and to kind of let people know what it is that they were doing. And there was a lot of concern in the community that we were going to somehow let the hurricane out. <laughs> yeah, well, you remember Nikolai Tesla was accused of doing that out in the out in the West. Right. Right. You know, yeah. he, he, he kind of let the lightning out, apparently, you know, that, yeah, yeah, right. it was his fault. His tests, you know, freed up. I got out there. Isn't that hilarious? That's so funny. Yeah. Well, so, Joe, what, what are you? Are you? Right? What do you? What, yeah. What do you do to make sure you don't let the yeah, uh, the, right. the how, how do you keep out? it in? Yeah. How do you keep we it? We have in? big nets. Oh, got it. <laughs> it, it. And there's somebody like with a hat and a whip. No, well, so truthfully, we have we have a uh, discharge area. Um, it's about 300 yards, and the the facility is on 90 acres. So we have a quite a um, and there's berms, and then there's a, a huge discharge area with its all a field, and then there's. Uh, you know, large pine trees, maybe about three or 400 yards beyond the discharge. Um, but at 120 miles an hour, you, you, you better believe those trees are swaying. Wow. Yeah. 
there it's pretty cool you guys could have a hell of a christmas party in that facility uh, i'm looking forward to it you know <laughs> we're, we're just opening up up until you know very recently it's been staff only very exclusive and mm -hmm. in fact if you weren't necessary to be on site you didn't come you know it was uh all the researchers and everything was zoom meetings and and we were there because we had to actually build the stuff right and we had to turn the fans on and watch it all happen but uh to tell you talk, talk about fire Wait, wait, you, you have an amusement park that you just have not realized and you could be charging admission. So I realize. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. yeah well, so when Sean first, you know, mentioned to me that he, he had the opportunity to interview the physician, you know, like I, I'm, it was a couple months back, right? Several months yeah. back. And I remember getting the call from you and it was like, and, and you know, as soon as you described it, I was like, this is you. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh my God, you were like born to be that to, to be oh, there I'm as a facility guy. I'm still there. envious. Yeah. This no, because is awesome. he's like, he's like, you know, like he's always been doing experiments in science. He's such, he's so analytical in the field. I mean, yeah. you are, you know, it's just like, yeah, it, you gotta it, love this. It's a, uh, it's been interesting to find my role here, you know, because uh, we're very collaborative, you know, and mm -hmm. my, my, my position is, uh, is to build the structure. We've got a full team of carpenters. Um, we've got a full metal shop. Dude, we, we've got like three CNC machines. We have three 3D printers. We have like you, uh, you can make almost anything prototype there, right? Yeah, it's, it's insane. Look at him. Yeah. Look at him. Right. He's so, so excited. Cool, man. He's whispering. I'm gonna have it's to. So uh, cool. I know. I'm gonna. I'm gonna send you a picture. My buddy Ross, he 3D printed a uh, a, a COVID germ. <laughs> wow. He's, it's pretty cool. Um, to launch it at 120 miles an hour at somebody. Yeah, see, see, I did ask about this. See, you guys were onto that. Right. <laughs> yes. So brainstorming is the biggest part of our job, right? Makes so sense. I meet with all these like brilliant people and, um, and they're, they're, you know, this is this, I think this is uh we could tie this back really interestingly to the, to the IAQ world, right? Where you've got these really brilliant people and they're able to, to, to look at things and understand and conceptualize the, the use, the collection, the interpretation and the use of data. And then you've got these people out there that are building houses, building buildings, right? Or you've got the uh, facilities manager who's, you know, his primary concern is the comfort of his, of his, uh, you know, occupants, right? But he's not concerned about so much like, like, uh, you know, does he care about the data collection? Does he care about all that stuff? Well, if, if nobody's complaining, he doesn't care, right? So you've got that disconnect, I think. And there was a question you, you guys Somebody said earlier something about uh, have we have we bridged that gap? Has COVID helped us get closer? And I don't think I I, I think that the common person that's going to be you know thrilled to death to take their mask off in Home Depot or whatever, um, you know, has a new conceptual idea of it. But I think that the professionals, I think um, ha it has raised their awareness at least as to like how important air movement within a building is based on their experiences of what they've had to do mm -hmm. um, with, with COVID. So I think that this is a, another step closer, at least on the professionals from the, 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 the researchers and the, and the builders and the remodelers and the occupants and the facility managers. I think they've inched another inch closer. Um, Will it stick though? <laughs> Will it stick? Uh, I mean, honestly, yes, we've inched closer, but I, I've been asking this question for a year now. Will it stick? And I think it's incumbent upon all of us in the industry to try to make sure that it does. 
Yeah. That we actually, we do something positive from all this negative. Yeah. I, I couldn't agree more. Um, and, and, you know, I think that to Joe, I think uh, you mentioned, you know, the, the VOCs coming off the materials. Do you think that that fight has been waylaid a little bit because of the, the viral component of like in the airborne pathogens? No, no, not at all. No, no we're still building. Easy. Yeah. We're still building with as many VOCs as you can possibly put. Well, we're become a little more sensitive to them or we're kind of aware of them, but until, unless you want to spend an extra, um, you know, probably $30,000, at least $10,000, you're still going to be dealing with these, these materials that have no clue or care about that. So, yeah. Well, what I mean is like, has the, you know, the, uh, have you seen a decline in the interest as the, as the, the viral component has, has emerged, you know, in the last year and a half, have you seen a decline in the interest of the VOCs component of IAQ at all? I've not actually. Um, the only thing that is happening is that more people are trying to get a monitor, and they usually have some VOC component to oh, them. Yeah, that's not true. that great. So there, there right. are, it's a lot of electrochem yeah. that are not. I mean, those things are short lived. I mean, it, you really you need a photoionization detector, right? Of some, yeah, that actually is a real one. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I have or one. You, for or sale. you can just, or you can just extrapolate some data from. I don't know what they extract. Some of the devices extrapolate from, but. You know, yeah. the outside uh, weather uh, from the National Weather Service or some nonsense. Some yeah, v VOCs are a, a part of a dice game anyway. So you're like, mm -hmm. is it your cologne or is it something that's in, inherent permanently in this building or what? So they, they have I'm some challenges. It's free, so it's not my cologne. <laughs> oh, to Bob? Uh, I, it's a natural VOC. <laughs> Oh, oh, you don't use those sugar, oh, sugar-free <laughs> VOC. Sugar-free VOC. You know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, I'll never forget my first uh, foray into the VOC component. Um, you know, we had a, a daycare. It was a daycare that was being run as a as a subset of the person's house, right? Mm -hmm. And um, and there was these complaints. Kids were getting sick. They didn't know what was going on. They were worried that they were going to be losing losing clients because they just had this this complaints. Um, Ultimately, what I figured out is that there was a central return in the hallway of the house and the gun cleaning station right across from the central. So the guy was uh, guy was cleaning his guns and the right. air was getting sucked in and then distributed into this daycare with and uh, making making kids sick. So um, sometimes it's easy, right? Like well, sometimes, sometimes it is. I mean, it, you know, but it's not always, you know, and, and that's, you know, to uh, our previous guests, Rafer and Louis points, you know, having having long-term data, data logging, you know, trending data. To me, I, I've been doing that for, you know, I've been a consultant now, what, oh my God, 34 years. And, and we, we've been data logging since the beginning. You know, yeah. back before you had devices that were data loggers, we used to have little onset hobos and yeah. plug them in, yeah. you know, with the, you know, with the, uh, the analog ports and, you know, and hook up different devices to the hobos to be able to data log our information before you could buy a device that did that. And we've been doing that since like back in the, you know, mid nineties. Yeah. Um, <laughs> mid -90s. Oh, come on. Most people, early nineties, who was data logging? So like, you Medosh, you, you always, were you data logging back then? Not like that. No. Oh, were you doing it better? 
Paper and pencil. You know, it's interesting. So I, I said to do a plug degrees. for so Thursday's show, Thursday on the Healthy Indoors live show, Thursday from 1 to 2 p.m. Eastern time, Joe, our former co-host, it hurts to say those words. Your former? Oh, he's our, he's our co-host here. He's our co-host on this show now. Yeah, well, I had show. some distractions, so I had to step aside. But yeah. but anyway, former co-host, he, he will be the guest slash co-host on Thursday to talk about, among other things, what is IAQ? We're going to get into like... No, no, no. no. What, what is the most common question what, we all get? You know what? Uh, I what is get acceptable my IQ? What's no, good no, no. IQ? I want to get my air tested. Tested okay. people ask me, "Hey, oh, I want to. Yeah. Can you come out and test my air? Can you test you know? my air? I get that right. question all the time. Yeah. So it's then, like, how much money what, do you have? Yeah, that <laughs> leads my to then, What is indoor air quality? And how much and, and of it do you is, want to be parted from? Right, right. So what's the uh, what's the canisters that the the Suma canisters? Sumas. Suma canisters. Yeah, yeah. Now, sure, we can come in and take a tell you the parts per billion of your air of everything. Yeah, I mean, we did that, you know, with uh, years ago. We did a study trying to find MVOCs uh, using, I won't use the brand name, but there was a company that had a portable GC mass spec device, which, by the way, is freaking cool. Uh, okay. You know, you can do it in the yeah. field in real time. Thing cost $80,000 for this backpack, though. It's an expensive backpack. How much did it cost to calibrate once you were on site? I don't know because it was right. them bringing it out. The manufacturer was actually based in our region, and we wanted to try to see if we could, they could find MVOCs. And yeah. they could, of course, because they had great sensitivity. The problem is there was so much uh, interference, like in a home with yeah. cleaning compounds and everything else. It's like, ah, you know, like you couldn't really get discernible data on the run. And, and they, they calibrated a little, but then it's like, yeah, you think there's a market for this? And I go, probably not a lot of IAQ consultants are going to spend $80,000 for a backpack. Yeah, probably not. Probably. I, know, I mean, they it was cool, that, though. Into, yeah, well, they converted that into something on wheels, and uh, they called it Insiscope. So the, that's the, is, no, it's totally yeah. different, though. It's not GC mass spec. That's laser count. That's laser. Yeah, that's well, that's only thirty thousand dollars ish. Right. Well, that's the Which, cost of an XRF. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, mm -hmm. that's the thing. You know, you, we have toys that cost that much. I had a, a, an X-ray version of that. It was like thirty-three thousand dollars. Yeah. Right. To, to, it can to get do expensive. That. Yeah. So you want to geek out about instrumentation? I'm going to send you a picture of our instrument lab tomorrow. We have okay. three guys, and that's all they do is is build, you know, make. You got like IAQ porn, dude. It's crazy. <laughs> they nice. yesterday. So we we have uh, we had a meeting not too long ago, um, a couple hours ago. This and we were talking about we have a single roof panel, and we want to put 56 different sensors on it, pressure sensors heat sensors, all these different sensors, 56 of them, right, on a roof panel. The mm. roof panel is uh, uh, five by six, something like four okay. by six, with 56 different sensors on it to and going into a, a data acquisition center that, like, is the size of a, uh, like, Rosie the Robot with, like, a full monitor, like, so many plugs. I don't even know how many plugs. I got to ask them. I'll take a picture of it tomorrow. Okay. To you and, and you, the, 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 so you're making me sing the Jetson song now that you said Rosie the Robot. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm that old, dude. Come on now. <laughs> I know. But wait, but uh, can you guys do a Sharknado? Uh, Ooh, a Sharknado. We would, we would, yeah. With the rubber sharks. Obviously not real sharks. They're endangered now. Yeah, right. Yeah, but I mean, you, you know, you know simulate. Like, probably, yeah. We, yeah. Yeah. Probably do some, we can do some crazy things, man. That could be a great, that could be a Christmas party thing is have the Sharknado. Sharknado. <laughs> We do have uh, we do have a pretty cool um, desktop fire, um, you know, example of, of oh everybody wants a desktop on fire. Well, we have it's like a little house and and then it's got this uh, 
this, um, you know, uh, flame burner, it's connected in here and, and you just, you put it on there and then there's a little box and it has an opening on, uh, so it's like a vertical panel with a small opening on all four sides mm-hmm. and there's no, it's just, it just does it through convection. So it actually will create that you put the flame, you turn mm-hmm. the flame on and it's small and the way that the air moves through, it actually creates a fire tornado that, uh, that it will come up. Out oh, so, of, it's, so it's a small one that you can actually see. Yeah, and we put it on desktops for like uh, trade shows and stuff. That seems really freaking safe. Yeah, it's probably. Maybe we don't. I, I don't <laughs> yeah. know. Maybe it's more like when people come visit. You bring, you, you bring them to like grade schools and Yeah, how do I order one of those? Yeah, yeah. man. Yeah, Take that cool. camping. Yeah. And you can move it in and out to the toward closer to the house. Because uh, wow. what we were talking about with fire, I know, I know, it's we're going over time a little bit here. Yes, but I like talking about fire, it, so you can have another minute for fire. It's after hours. After hours. So um, I'm almost out of beer, though. Okay. Well, I'll I'll wrap this up mm-hmm. quick. Then. The uh, so we're we're working right now on the on uh, structure separation, right? Which is the distance between uh, uh, structures and the positioning of structures. So we spent two weeks placing these various size sheds and then moving around and getting readings. And then they actually created a map of how air moves around these, these sheds at different wind speeds. Then we, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's insane. After hours. Yeah. After hours. Yeah. Excuse me. And then, uh, and then we lit them on fire and we like, like we put, we put, like uh, so, we built these things called cribs. It's a certain, it's a standard size. The A6. You, you, you were showing me the. Uh, you said you did send me a picture on on my phone with that. So one crib is three foot by three foot by three foot, made up of two by twos. Mm-hmm. That so it takes two hundred and thirty three foot long two by twos to build one crib. We put twenty two of them inside of a twenty by twenty a twenty four by twelve shed. And then we slid in 500 milliliters of uh, denatured alcohol and ah. lit the alcohol with a uh, with a propane torch and slid it in there and then watched it burn. Okay, two questions. First <laughs> of all, how do they feel about you at Home Depot? Probably good. And second question, were you a pyromaniac as a child? Um you don't have to early, answer that. I was an early well, was, in, in, all, in all honesty, I want to confess, I used to blow shit up all the time. Honestly, like you know, gasoline squibs to fire, you know, using the Estes uh, model rockets and then yeah. turning them into things where you could, you know, use sequence charges and stuff with, you know, yeah, yeah. I prefer the term early researcher. <laughs> well, yeah, I would, you know, like I, I tested like a lot of aerosol cans to see how much they would yeah. explode under a gasoline fire and things like that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah but Sean, yeah. you didn't explain. Were you just doing that for fun? Um, no. So, okay. Yeah. So. So now what we're going to do is we were getting the maps of how the air moved around at different wind speeds, and then we burned it, and we tested it at a couple of different wind speeds. And there are, there are thermal sensors. We have these stands set up with thermal sensors all around there, wind speed sensors, uh, and we did it against a, a dark background so we could see the way the flames moved and the, where the heat was. And then so we did that. We got, we're actually replicating some work being done by NIST. Inside, NIST is doing it on one wall with a small mock-up of a shed. And then we're actually, I know the building by the way. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) We're doing it full size for them and replicating what they're doing at the smaller size. We're saying it's the same, 
with our full size buildings. And then in the spring of 2022, we're going to bring in a full, it's about a 1600 square foot house. And we're going to place it at distances that we replicate at, at 45 and we'll rotate it. And then we'll see if we can make the, the flames jump the 20 feet from there. And then we, it, it's going to have a, um, you know, a cementous uh, siding mm-hmm. and the, uh, we'll make the flames jump over to it and see if mm-hmm. we can make them actually go up under the eaves and into the, into the attics. Nice. Is what we're is what we're ultimately testing. So in the process, so you're of testing that, to see if if that construction design actually will will stop that from right. happening. Got it. Man, right. that's cool. Yeah, and there's some that's venting. Cool. There's some new kind of vents that you can put in the eaves that may help to prevent yep. that air move yep. from there. Not yeah. Right. So and and in the process of doing that, we're going to burn another um, twenty five sheds. Something which like means you a whole a, depot. Yeah, you, you mean, need a YouTube channel. You need a YouTube channel. You, yeah, people will be they like, have one. Yeah. Right. You have well, all of these, yeah. all this stuff's on there. A lot of it is, but it hasn't wow. been updated uh, regularly, but you but, need to have one. You need a show like this. That's actually, they're talking about it where like some really cool MC type hosts could be there and walk yeah. around, you know, and go tell so, us about so like Gila kind of we thing. We do have a lot of that footage. Like we this actually burned have, house, you know, something like that. We actually have a, a, a TV studio ah. on site. Of course, ah, you of course you do. Of course you do. Nah, he's got everything. He's got all, all the good toys. You're non for profit. You have it all. Well, um, I guess it was about six months ago. You, you may have seen, um, uh, 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 what's his name, Al Roker, standing on a beach talking about umbrella safety. I no, did I not see it. that. No, right. I, I, you know, I, I don't really follow Roker that much on Instagram or anything. So he did a he did a whole presentation on the safety of. Uh, of and what can happen with uh, beach umbrellas and uh, you know on the wind, we Shit, created, they can fold up and fly away. It, he wasn't on the beach; he was in our wind cha- wind oh, tunnel. Oh, look at wow. you! Wow! We, oh man! Did you, you put we, sand under his feet though? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We brought in sand. We created a beach, stuck the thing nice. in there, and it turned on the fans. Nice. Wow! Did you yeah. have like heat lamps? So we had to like put suntan on or and suntan lotion. No, or anything? you know he was he was in the shade. Oh god! Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we got. We still have half that pile of sand. I, I got to figure out what I'm gonna do with it. But wait, so did, did you just finish the thing? Did you take an umbrella and like throw it into a wall, and so you could see what could happen if you're not I cautious? Guess, with I it? guess so. That was like right before I started. Oh, the, okay. The sand still there. They were telling me about it, but um, could have thrown it into Al Roker, maybe. Yeah, I'm, I, I'm not yeah, sure exactly fair. what became of it because I, I don't follow Al Roker either. But <laughs> it was it was supposed to be. Crazy. I mean, nothing against Al Roker. I mean, he's cool, you know. Yeah. Oh, I can't you, and you, here's what you need to do the stand. You need to. Uh, um, uh, we're gonna, we're going to have a hashtag, or we're going to get tagged in a keyword. You know, like talking about you know b- dissing Al Roker. You know, no, we'll, no, we'll get all we'll get all, all awesome. over the I internet. Awesome I think he is too. And I, I, I no, yeah. So t- you should use the sand in the same way you're determining uh, you have water intrusion or other things. You know, throw that sand th- uh, in front of those fans and watch what happens to people who live in those types of environments. That is brutal. Yeah, yeah. your skin gets all smooth. You seem like the kind of guy, Joe, though, that went down the beach. You're one of those bullies, and you would kick sand in little guys like my. Why would you think that? Why do you think I'm a? I don't know. You see, you're the one fit for that. You're like, yeah, yeah. I'm like that, but I'm short. To do that, but now I'm gonna. I'm like a little pit bull. I mean, I, I I never intimidated anybody at five foot four stature. I think Joe was the one that spent a long time building sandcastles. 
No, not just sand castles, but I also build the shark. I build huh. the turtles. I build multiple turtles that are all like like they're going down to the beach. And I yeah. would build like uh, like yeah. the silhouette of like a with boot no never mind <laughs> octopuses, are, octopuses are really easy so hey, well you yeah. know i did octopuses yeah. yeah you know i did sorry yeah so yeah i just no. dug a foot I, actually, I actually filtered i filtered in real time that was good i dig a, i dig a hole with my feet and then that sat there <laughs> okay right and I look at you now and look yeah. at you now yeah, and look Man. at you now now you now you have a chamber you could do that you could literally simulate being at the beach suddenly when a hurricane comes in and fires two inch size hailstones at you and shreds you and your umbrella in real time and then shoot a bunch of burning embers at me yeah i guess of yeah. course there'd be a fire from subsequent gas explosions in the yeah. local properties yeah we have uh we have a, a system that's Sorry. called a deluge system that will drop like I don't know, like two thousand gallons of water on top of the structure instantly, uh, if if the button's pushed, just as you know, emergency thing. I do but, that uh, like some know. usually two in the morning, you know, when I go to the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's that, that's crazy. It's a uh, it's a it's that's, that's it's, way cool. No, I mean, honest to God, this amazing. is like so cool. You know what what you're doing. I mean, you know, I'm yeah. like so happy for you that you had got this opportunity, and I, I just you know. As soon as you mentioned it, I knew you were a perfect fit for this. This is just like other they, people are going to want you on their shows. That's what we just we just brought you on. You're, you're going to be on the circuit now, bro. Yeah, well, but you know our shows I, are cooler. I, one of the things cooler. that I think is is the the information that we're we're learning and the stuff that we're doing and all this. So I, I will tell you that it can it can be it's a twofold two sided sword, right? Mm -hmm. Like. Uh, um, we're getting this information and we're helping to build better, but we're also mm -hmm. giving that information to your insurance companies. So they're to charge more for insurance. Well, they're just understanding their risk better. Sure. Right? Which is, so, that's what it's all based on. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So it they can sense. come in and say, Hey, if you move, you know, if you change the bottom two feet of your, your siding to a non-combustible material, your, your potential for uh, a wildfire, you know, uh, affecting the structure of your house is goes down by X amount of percent. Also, if you move to New York, it goes down quite a bit too. Yeah. Well, I mean, you, you live out in the woods, you know? Well, I mean, if I, yeah. I, okay. I live in the woods, but I also live in the city. Yeah. I just, I'm fortunate enough to have 12 acres, like kind of adjoining the city. Yeah. So I have just a little woods. <laughs> There's no wildfires. We've never had a wildfire. Just Dude, you, you want to hear something totally nuts? Totally crazy. I, I wouldn't expect anything less from you. Like okay. we have it already. Go ahead. Oh, something totally nuts. Okay. Let's, 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 let's burning 12 sheds with yeah. 5,000 pieces of lumber. Yeah. Right? Last Monday. Okay. We're in the middle of nowhere, right? We're, we, we, we have to be because we have, we're, we, you know, this, so they're like testing all these hazards. So obviously all these brilliant people, they figured out where is the least, but where's the safest spot to build a facility. They won't be affected in real life by the hazards. Right. Oh, so, right, right, right. Cause you don't want them on the outside of your building, screwing up yeah. your stuff. No, no, unless we let them out, but um, which the, could happen clearly. So, so I, mean, I know you're, you do everything to mitigate that likelihood. Absolutely, but. we do, we do. We have armed guards at the gate, um, but no, we we, we have ninety acres, and we're in like we look like if you look at our facility from Google Earth, like like the ninety acres we have is like looks like a teeny little spot compared to like the millions of acres of of wooded area all around us. Mm -hmm. So last Monday. Uh, this guy and hit the, a guy and a girl were apparently like they did something. They caught the attention of the police. There was a 40 mile chase, right? Where they ditched this, the car 
the woman was a, who was driving was arrested, but while the, while she was driving, the passenger was shooting at the police officers out the window. <laughs> boom, 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 boom. They crashed. This dude went back into the woods. He was. They caught him yesterday. It's that he big an area. The, for seven days, there was over two hundred law enforcement officers surrounding the woods, doing all this stuff. They had like like helicopters flying over. They had video footage of him like breaking into and stealing. He was barefoot when he went into the woods. But like at some point during the week, he got into this other uh, like man. In a week, he had time to probably fabricate his own footwear. Dude, it was straight up Rambo. It was like <laughs> I'm telling you, we were driving by and like you know the colonel was out there standing there like like dude was living in the woods, like like it was it was nuts. And they were after there was FBI agents and helicopters and infrared. They almost caught him like three or four times, and he got away from the dog. He skipped probably hiding in your facility. Wow. We were actually really freaked out about it. <laughs> it was really, really concerned. Yeah, I, I get it. You know, yeah. Armed and dangerous. Everything and nobody was allowed to be outside. Armed and dangerous and hungry, probably. Yeah. And he, and you know, with a weapon. Yeah. Well, it's, weapon. that's part of being armed. Usually yeah. you're armed with a weapon. Yeah. I thought it was <laughs> well, they get arms. Right? Yeah. I'm armed, armed and now I'm armed with a I'm weapon. <laughs> oh my so, god. So as if you my know, job wasn't exciting enough. Well, and that you know wait, 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 no, no, no. Just so you know. That was a pretty good story, but you know what? That's regular nightly news. So yeah. what you told us earlier was way, way more exciting. <laughs> yeah. Oh, without a question. Fifty six guns putting hail down on top of 72. 72. 72. 72. Wow. Wow. 72. One, one, one stone per second. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, I, I remember the data. It's, it is, it is cool. Like go to YouTube, uh, go to YouTube and look up IBHS hailstorm, and you can see them like there's, they've, how they, uh, they made the, uh, the hail and, and it's, it's awesome. And you what know. you should do for the, the audio accompaniment with that is look up Hailstorm the band because they're really good. Lizzie Hale can really sing. Yeah. So you know, listen not we could listen to both. We could we could listen to Lizzie yeah. Hale while you watch the Hailstorm. That'd be pretty cool. I think I, I'm prepared to do it. I have to use two different browser windows. Oh boy. Well we're we're getting to this well, actually we've gotten way past this point. Yeah. yeah. We start we started late. Um because you know and you know, in our defense, right? live show first time we're streaming this show our two first guests are over in shanghai china so yeah. the fact that we actually could connect to shanghai china and bring two people in from two different places in shanghai and lock it up yeah I, you know the fact that it took us nine minutes late to get online i'm really not feeling bad about it you know and i, I apologize to the audience but i'm i'm pretty i'm still pretty happy with that you feel okay with that joe i feel okay with it yeah it's, it's tough when you're when when you're mr worldwide yeah I think it's cool what you're doing, man. I mean, it, you know, God, what I wouldn't give to be sitting at a, you know, some sort of a conference, sitting in the bar afterwards, having a beer with you guys. And you we know, could be, come on again. In fact, I would like to see you as a regular, a regular occurrence to come on, you know, on, on these shows and share alcohol with us. No, no, like uh, other shows have like these people to bring on like animals, like, hey, look at this bird that I've got. No, you're going to come on you and can show bring us on like, like burn shit. Yeah, yeah. Like, hey, guess what we did this week? We, you know, we built this and blew it out the front of the. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean yeah. it's really awesome. I mean it's amazing. When you first described this place, I was like, "Wow, they can do that full scale. That's crazy." Yeah, I don't know if you, uh, if if uh, I mean, I know it's about done, but I'm going to shoot you a text right now, real quick. Uh, I don't know if you're capable of putting this up. Oh, you're asking an awful lot for me in real time. Um, but you probably it's just 13 second video. Let me see. <sighs> I probably I, what is it? You know, what is it? Depends on what it is. 
Yeah, but it doesn't mean I can get it. I I don't think I can get it up online quick I don't enough. Think you can either. But anyway, no. this is a this is a twenty four by twelve shed, completely engulfed with fifteen mile an hour wind, and you can see how the flames are moving. Um, okay. Well, we'll share. You know, you're sharing with me. I got the link, so I'll, we'll, we'll we'll show it on the site. Yeah, we, we can show it. This can be a post a post uh, show note because you're at. You know, I mean. I'm a miracle worker, but only small miracle. Well, if you send it to me, I could do that. But that's me. I could do it. Well, right not now. texting. How are you going to pull it from a text into the switcher system? Try me. Send it to me. Send it to him. Okay, let's see it. He's going to do it, and Thank and he's you. and he's got because he's got an iPhone probably too, and he's using a nope, Mac. No iPhone. No iPhone. No iPhone. Nope. Nope. Okay. Let, let, let's. You know, we're way over time now, anyway. So I don't. You know, we might as Doesn't well. Doesn't matter. Just, Bring it on. Let's let, Let's just let's just indulge this. Okay, right. so um, right, I sent you my uh, phone number in case you don't have it. Um, so, but I wasn't going to give it across the thing here. It's oh, it's seven seven. Just find them on Tinder. <laughs> <laughs> Is my phone number on Tinder? What? What? <laughs> okay. Okay, here it comes. Nine. All right, there you go. There's, there's kind of awkward silence here. Let's see how let's see if Medash can work his thing. So anyway, Sean, um, next yeah. time we have you on, or some other time we have you on, we got to talk indoor air quality. But I really wanted to speak about this now because this yeah, is definitely. exactly what we wanted. But, I mean, yeah. you, you still have a wealth of knowledge and experience in the industry, you know, and, and you being a construction guy makes you know makes you an interesting IEQ guy. Because a lot of people in indoor air quality are not from the construction side, so they don't they don't understand the other aspects of you know yeah. building construction and design you know it's which is kind of critical well i tell you that the the, the it, with my chinese drywall experience right where i was i was sitting with a, a scientist brilliant guy and he asked me to take you know four samples across this uh, wall and i told him you know that's great but you understand that i just sampled the same piece of drywall four times yeah. you know and he said well no but you were you were every four feet and i was like yeah but that's a 12 foot board same piece of material Installed horizontally, he says. No, they're installed vertically. I said, nope. It's not well, the it depends. I mean, sometimes they are installed vertically. Commercial. Depends. Oh, commercially, that's gonna be horizontal. Commercial, typically, but this is residential. But anyway, the point the point is, is that you know you really have to. Uh, there, there's the data crunchers, the, the 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 scientists, and the the guys, the researchers. But if you don't have a fundamental understanding of how things are put together, it's you know can be a, a real challenge. You know, understanding. For instance, the window installation process, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, the flashings and just how you put them. Well, that, that's the whole thing. I mean, that's back in uh, – so I had been an IQ guy up until like, – I started back in 86, 87. Um, and, you know, I, but I was very siloed in the indoor air quality. And in the early 2000s, I started getting more into the building science aspects and then, you know, did all the BPI certifications yeah. and start going down that route with blower doors and all that. And, you know, but oh. I came in as an IQ guy because it was interesting with the NYSERDA people here in New York, I was one of the first companies that was an indoor air quality company that was in their program. Uh, and they were like, wow, that's, you know, it's unique mold remediators and duct cleaners, you know, and you do all that stuff. It's like, yeah, but it all goes together because the reason we have those problems on the other side is because of these building, you know, building related problems. And right. for years, I never fixed those. I just went out and remediated symptoms. I never fixed the problem. That's, that's huge. That's huge. It was and a paradigm I, shift. I really feel like we're making, we've made huge headway in the last really strongly in the last five years where, mm -hmm. you know, you're seeing in, in the construction magazines, right? JLC and, 
you know, find home building and other, other magazines like that, where you're starting to see, um, uh, you know, IAQ mentioned, discussed, you know, building science mentioned and discussed where before it was about, you know, how do I keep my crew, you know, showing up or how do I keep my job on schedule or how do I, you know, cope a, a piece of six inch crown molding or whatever. Right. So like now within that, that that's what was always in there before. Now there's also an IAQ component and building science component that's being added. And that's really a testament to the work that, you know, that you and other consultants have done to, to fire that. We talked about this last year. Remember Bob? Yeah, I think, we did. Joe, you might've been in this conversation as well, where, we talked about how the the IAQ industry has done such a good job of 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 uh, bringing attention that people should be paying attention to this problem. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't know if we've done such a good job, but we've done a job. Uh, that's that's fair. We've done a job. That's fair. You know, and there you're not going to like ever not need an IAQ consultant, but people are more aware than they've ever been. I think, you know. Uh, as to what the problems could be and what they what caused them. Sure, sure. You know, um, Joe, Joe, are you ever going to get that video up? I, I'm. It says that I couldn't receive this text. I have a thing on my computer that allows me to get text. That's I, I honestly, than, yeah. I yeah. honestly really don't want to chastise you <laughs> because I don't want you to have have PC envy with your Mac. Uh, well, uh, he sent it to you too. I don't see you. Like he sent it to my video. freaking phone, dude. Okay, yeah, I, right. I'm so, not, right. So, you can just go check. Uh, it, we'll, I, we'll, we'll, we'll post it later, but I, I have it on an Android. I can actually watch the video here. But I, I honestly, this is this is a very sophisticated studio, and I don't have any way to make this telephone connect to the switcher. Well, my Instagram is is Sean underscore that's S H A W N underscore McCumber M A C O M B E R. Okay. And I, you know, I've been posting stuff from the research center pretty regularly on there. So if you want to go on and check it out and, you know, subscribe and like, you know what? I will. And, <laughs> uh, you know, yes, I will. Um, I we're, we're approaching the two hour mark on a 90 yeah. minute show. So, Thanks, I, and usually it's Medosh that's saying, you know, calling, you know, calling the end of the show. So this is, this is a paradigm shift and somewhat of a role reversal. Um, which I'm not really sure what that means, but I don't know. If anybody's still watching now, they're like, yeah, you need well, to. I mean, they will, you know, at some point they'll go, God, this is like the longest freaking show ever. Well, this show never ends. I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled with what you're doing and I wish that I had more time to, to, to check them all out. You know, your, your, uh, your day, daytime shows and everything. You can watch them on your mobile device and pretty, so and pretty soon you, you, you actually have an invite to the, uh, the online global community where all right. of this will be housed in thoughtful com commentary and conversations will take place and people will meet from around the world. I, and, I signed oh, up for that. It's going to be amazing. Wait, no. wait, but wait, but wait, but we care. Wait, there's more. We, but we, we care about your email. We're never going to give your stuff away. That's the and truth, and, and though. If you thought it was, and if oh, you thought you. it was late you night, if you thought it was late night. Oh, then, my God. You know what? You, know, you, you just saw the commercial that comes on at 2 in the morning. Wait, I'm talking. I'm talking. You just saw the commercial that usually comes on around 2 to 3 a.m. Yeah. Yes. Your information is safe with us. 
I'm like, what the hell? Actually, okay. I can, being the CEO and the founder of Healthy Indoors, right? Okay. I can actually say that it is. Okay. We actually literally do not sell or rent our list to anybody ever. And that's the honest God truth. I've had ad salespeople working for me over the years that insisted on trying to rent our lists out, you know, to advertisers. I'm like, no freaking way. Oh, that's what every publication, trade publication does. I go, yeah, we don't. Well, and and I got to tell you the truth. That's uh, it. that 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 is my commitment. And so, well, sorry, Joe. One of the things I it was that, a funny commercial. It is a funny. It is a funny. It was pretty funny. I, but I'm going to be Bob and be serious yeah. with you for a moment. Kind I of. wasn't that serious. You know, I got close it, to the camera. It, it came, well, yeah. it came across kind of. Yeah. You dropped you dropped the tone of your voice a little bit too, and it was uh, it was good. Ever. Yeah. Tanya, it was. Oh, and you can ever. get all the rock and roll artists you ever wanted from the '60s and '70s if you call right now. <laughs> You know they legalized weed in New York, Virginia is too. Yeah, yeah. and and pretty well, soon they, you're going to be. Hey, in Texas, uh, there's a law going in effect that you're going to be able to just have a handgun with no license. They're, they're trying to do that in Louisiana as well. Perfect. What could go wrong with that? Everybody just goes into stores and buy guns. Nice. Yeah, yeah it'll be good. But hope to see what they need to do is they need to do both of those at the same time. So here's the thing. So I so I have to close with with a quick anecdotal story from years ago when I was at a conference in uh in Las Vegas. This was quite a long time ago, and we went in. Oh, oh see, I could have done that. That's bullshit. It's like seriously, that's your solution, Mister. <laughs> no, that's twenty four to twenty five feet. How much further okay. than the building? At ten miles an hour. Okay, so I'm impressed with the video. I could have done this like 17 minutes ago. I mean, if that's what <laughs> we're going to do. But you didn't. I beat because you to it. It was, it was, it was yeah, hokey, it. dude. It was, uh, yeah, it. yeah, all right. Well, anyway, so went into the, it was at a conference and it was end of the day, went to this, I think it was a Rexall pharmacy, if that even exists anymore. And so this drugstore has got like slot machines in it. They sell alcohol, full liquor, and the back is a gun shop. And nice. here it is. So I'm there at like 6:30 at night at the end of the conference, and I, I, uh, Carol's with me. We had, a, and I'm not even going to go there, Joe, because I know what you're going to say. Uh, but anyway, uh, we're 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 in the back, and uh, she needed some something. I don't know some uh, antihistamines or some crap. And, and uh, you know, I was buying some liquor, and in the back on on in the gun shop, it says no handguns sold after 6 p.m. for your safety. You can yeah. buy liquor, you can gamble, you can pick up your, your, you know, your opioid drugs, and you can buy an AR-15 with a high-capacity magazine. Well, they're just there to solve problems. <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, it's, it's one-stop shopping. I mean, it lowers the carbon footprint, I guess. Provide solutions. You know, I mean, I guess it's, it's, they're thinking the of you. what they want. They're Give the people what they want. Yeah, right. Guns, <laughs> liquor, and opioids. Well, like you're missing the crucial uh, underlying element in television. Do not Gambling. take away their television. Give them TV and a few other things, and we're all happy. Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever read uh, – this is a probably a long conversation app, but have you ever read Food of the Gods by um, – Yeah. I, uh, no, I haven't, actually. Oh, I highly recommend it. It talks Does about – Does have a lot of pictures? There are, very, there are some illustrations, but no pictures. Ah, well, that would help. That would help. Um, but it talks about television as as it's the, the the major problem with television is it's the first drug that's actually controlled by other humans, whereas the you know all the other drugs are you know potentially tied into like you know other spiritual powers or you know whatever. That's at least coming from inside of you being affected by you. But television is a is a hallucination. It's external. Yeah, it's not real. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's just a hallucination. Are you saying this show isn't real? 
Uh, it's real to me. You're real to me too, Sean. <laughs> We're gonna have to go. It's, it's yeah. like now. Now we've crossed the two-hour mark. Y'all, hey, Medash has totally lost his co-host position. He's not. He's not even like keeping track of the clock anymore. Um, nope, so it's after hours. So you know, it is I'm after hours, but he's the point, last one at the bar. Okay, so here we are. Yeah, he's the last one at the bar. And understand, he's two hours later. Than me, he's on Mountain Time. Okay, so I'm at nine nine fifteen in the evening having uh, that yeah. dinner or lunch. So at some point, somebody's got to pull the freaking ripcord. <laughs> <laughs> Sean, this is great. I'm so happy uh, you were able showing to your age, tonight. Bob. Yeah, yeah, that was awesome, dude. You'll be back regularly. You'll be our, our regular. Hey, I yeah. look pretty good for sixty two. Screw you. He's a great uh, for seventy. Thanks, thanks. So <laughs> That's much. what he said. He goes, "Damn, you look good for 70. <laughs> thanks, buddy. Oh boy, now it's definitely it's definitely time to slowly push away from the bar. <laughs> it is, you know. It's like I think I'm going. I'm gonna. I'm going to the bathroom, and then I'm just gonna go to my room. <laughs> yeah, TMI. Got to be right. there for breakfast in the morning. I didn't describe what I'm doing in the bathroom. Why is it TMI? That's what people you say in say, bars. You, you just say no. You're like, I'll you're be at back. A bar, you're at a bar, and you go, and you, and you go, yeah, I'll be back, and then you don't come back. You just diss. I don't. I, man, <laughs> I that, ain't, that ain't me, man. I say goodbye to everybody. Now, McCumber and I close the freaking bar. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah, party with this guy. We do. Yeah. That's what I said, man. This feels like, this definitely feels like the kind of conversation you'd have at a conference, you know, at the bar afterwards, and, which is, uh, uh, you know, um, I think. Uh, this half was, clearly. Yeah. I mean, yeah. the other part, the front half was great, great, great educational, but this was, this was more of the bar. Well, that's hey, that's where all the good ideas come from. Well, that's where a lot of the ideas come from. I've learned more after hours than in sessions. Yeah. So here we are. This is what, yeah. and we'll be doing. So for all of you watching the show, and it's stuck in this long, um, we'll do this again next month. We haven't announced the date yet, but we'll, it'll be up shortly in the next week. We'll announce uh, the next episode. Uh, we've got some great ideas in store for upcoming shows. Um, so those of you who, uh, you know, very few people are part of the community because we haven't opened it and released it yet, but uh, I'll run a commercial at the end again. And you really should be on it because we're going to start streaming the community. You'll be able to actually do commentary and pose comments and questions after the show. Like, so yeah, it's kind of cool. Hey, can I so put in those a idiots? Yeah, those guys are idiots. Can you Go put ahead. in a request? Yeah. Yeah, I um, guess. Um, Doesn't mean I'll honor uh, it. The musical October, video? Yeah. October. For October. your um, Halloween show, yeah, will you interview Steve Teams dressed as a tomato? Oh, because he doesn't eat tomatoes. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, that's awful. No, yet, I know. I hate. Oh, good. No, it's good. Watching. If he's okay. watching, he's gonna love it. He's gonna yeah. love. No, the he's got. Uh, yeah, that. he's he, he does not eat tomatoes, but that would he be does a good. Not. Yeah. Steve Teams is a tomato. Well, you don't want Joe Joe Medosh as an eggplant. I've, we've already seen that in another organization. <laughs> Why do they think I'm a it's dick? Like, you know, it's yeah. pretty pretty much, you know, kind of burned his bridge somewhere else. So we won't yeah. say where, you know. Poor eggplant, they all he man, he's, he's been ripped on. He he was oh my god. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, listen, thank all you right. all so very much for watching our premiere episode of Healthy Indoors After Hours. Uh, it's great that you joined us. Um, so, you know, Sean McCumber, thanks so much for joining us. And my co-host, Joe Madosh, uh, from his bar out somewhere in uh, Colorado. And uh, I'm Bob Krell, uh, founder and publisher of Healthy Indoors Magazine. So until next time, uh, stay cool. We'll see you. We'll, we'll, and make sure you bring uh, plenty of drinks next time. Because next time. Like, I know we're going to have to restock the bar here in the studio because I'm out. Hmm. I'm Next out. Time.
That's I'm it. That's out. your line. I'm out. I'm out. I'm out. I'm out. I'm out. I'm out. Bye, guys. Good night.